This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Joe, stop yelling at me. I agree. And we are live here on the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast presented by MyBookie. I'm Rich Craig, alongside, as always, King of Banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. We were, uh, we were discussing before the show started that uh, this is the first day ever in history that the NFL, MLB, NBA, WNBA, MLS, and NHL will play on the same day. And there's a Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast streaming live. It's just unbelievable what's going on today. All the all the all the big hitters are out. Why would anyone name the WNBA and MLS in that? I think maybe just to get <laughs> just to round it out, just get some facts in there, you know, get 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 an extra league in there. But and, and they kind of worked themselves into a shoot. This is uh, ESPN, you know, via Elias Sports Bureau, who always has everything. I'd love to work for. Yeah, Elias but nobody, no, no, nobody cares about the WNBA and the MLS. Well, that's what I was saying though is they worked themselves into a shoot there because when you include like a bunch of other ancillary leagues or whatnot, like the unfortunately the WNBA and the MLS, is, uh, that you have the NASCAR Gander Trucks RV and Outdoor Series that said, "Hey, wait a minute, we are also." You know, we're racing today, too. So you've, you've opened the door to every little rinky-dink minor league. There's probably some independent league that's in, this, in these mentions, too. And each one of them falling over each other to say, hey, the Frontier League's playing a game today, so why aren't we included? You know what I mean? Like, so. I played fetch with my dog in the backyard. Does that count, too? Well, I included the Voice Wrestling flagship podcast. Streaming live here. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Voice of Wrestling right now. So. See, I'm more interested to know if this is the first day that the four major sports all played on the same day. Now, there has to be some day in, um, like, October where that was the case, right? Because I feel are we like, counting? Yeah. Are we, are we, is it only, does it have to be regular season and or playoff games? Because if it's preseason games, there's no question there's, like, a Sunday in October every year where, off, where there's, a, like, a World Series game, NFL games, obviously. And then NBA and NHL preseason, right? NHL might even start by October. Yeah, usually. Well, so the 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 one issue is, and and it's going to come when, like you said, um, the NBA probably not until like mid to late October. But if you're counting preseason games, if you're counting preseason games, then yes. That's what I'm saying. NBA is playing preseason by October. I want to say that this happened. I I, I'll I'll do a little bit of research. I want to say that this happened a few years ago because something delayed. So I think the NBA, I think it was, maybe it was last year or two years ago. When, when was Red Sox Astros? Was that, that was two years ago, right? World Series? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That might've been it because I think the NBA was trying out a new schedule where they kind of lengthened the games a little bit. So I think they started maybe mid-October when they're usually late October. And I think the World Series did some like obnoxious spreading out of games as well. I want to say that maybe that happened that year, if I remember correctly. Let, let me see if I can try to. On a Sunday or a Thursday when the NFL would be playing. 
and then and then obviously NHL will be playing every day anyway. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this is so Thursday. I I, I don't have the exact day here, but some Thursday. Da, 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 Thursday in 2018, it looks like. Okay. In that case, because the, that that random Thursday in October 2018, the four major sports all played together in meaningful games, right? No preseason. I think that's the case. Yeah, I believe it's all either regular season or playoff games. All right. Well, then I apologize to the WNBA and the MLS because then this day would be relevant because now you're throwing in two more leagues. Because we already had a day where the other four played. Yeah, it looks like October 28th. October 28th, 2018 was the uh, the sports equinox is what they call it. Five leagues, one day. Five leagues. Hold on a minute. What do we got here? <laughs> so who do we include here? Oh, MLS. Get out of here. But we have MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL all playing on the same day, October 28th, uh, 2018. So And we included and MLS then- in there, too. So really all we needed was the WNBA, and we got them. So great. Fantastic. <laughs> right. So because of COVID and all the basketball. Get- well, well, yeah, WNBA usually plays in the summer, right? Correct, yeah. Right, so, okay, so we've got six today. See, seven, you really can't. If you can include the Gander Mountain RV and Outdoor Series, it is seven. So Nobody can't. That's the equivalent <laughs> of playing fetch with my dog in the backyard, okay? So you, you really can't go any deeper than those six, okay? It's like I would consider WNBA and MLS second tier, okay? Would you put any other leagues on that second tier? tier team sports now i don't want to get into tennis and nascar and um and stuff like that i wouldn't i think it would be those two alone unless i'm forgetting something obvious um yeah off the top of my head i, I can't think of any um there's America. no secondary football league i'd no, put on that yeah level. yeah no there's no other basketball league i'd put on i'm not putting the nba like d league on that level i'm not doing that uh there's no secondary baseball league obviously you're putting on that level there's nothing for hockey. So you throw in the soccer, you throw in the women's basketball, they would be second tier. I think anything else would fall third tier or below. Because I don't think there's anything else on the level of WNBA and MLS that I could think of. So basically what I'm saying is today's the day. Any other days where they're adding like a seventh league, you're just getting silly. And it doesn't really matter. Like – what, what are you going to throw in, like, the, the National Lacrosse League? No one cares. That's, yeah, that's what I, I said. Mean, like, when we're talking about actual leagues that are have some relevance, and, and you sort of poo-pooed it at the beginning, but, yeah, now that you think about it, it is, like, this is kind of it. This is, like, the best it'll ever be because, yeah, you're always then adding, like, way more ancillary leagues. Like, for whatever we think of MLS and WNBA or whatever, they are major professional sports leagues in, in some way. You can put them on a second tier of major sports leagues, but they definitely are. And you're absolutely right. Like, nothing else is – no minor league baseball, no independent baseball, no uh, no racing. I guess the only thing would be is if NASCAR was running a race this day, right? But you say, you're trying to say team sports, though, so, so we're, we're – Discluding NASCAR, say, Indy, gonna, any sort of individualized tennis, you know, if, if, if something was – I mean, that would be awesome too if there was like – well, tennis is – the U.S. Open wraps, wrapped up, right? You're a tennis guy for a little bit, right? No, I watch tennis, yeah. You're a tennis, yeah, yeah. No, U.S. Open's going on right now. Okay, so that's – yeah, you know, there you go. So that's another one you could add if you really wanted to. You could, Yeah, you could throw that in. Yeah, U.S. Open's happening right now. It's a major. And that's – yeah, I was going to um, say if it's like some dumb rinky-dink bullshit, you know, tournament, yeah, maybe. But yeah, Wimbledon, U.S. Open – French Open. I don't know the other ones. I think those are the only three I know. So I'll just uh, stop there. There's one more. There's one more. Come oh, on, what is it? What did I get? U.S. Open, French Open, Wimbledon, and oh man, just think countries, man. I'm out. I'm out. Australian. The Australian Open. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Okay, that's cool. 
Yeah, the Australian. What's the clay? What's the clay one? That's the French. That's the French Open, yeah. hate that one. You didn't know the Australian Open existed. Interesting. Yeah, no, I think I just knew those three. See, it's fun when, when, like, that one's running because I'm up in the middle of the night and it's live. So, like, you know, it's like they run when, like, New Japan runs. So it could be, like, 4.30 in the morning. Oh, you know, I do know the Australian Open exists because I remember – I would remember waking up for, like, getting ready for school as a kid – and you know, getting my bowl of cereal ready and turning on Sports Center, and I'm like, the fuck am I? Th- what the hell is this? And it'd be like, yeah, Sports Center's on ESPN News as we have ongoing coverage of the Australian Open. I'm like, fuck out of here, get this shit yeah. off. Let's go throw yeah. this on ESPN News. Nobody gives a shit. You're very angry. I gotta see who's Please. maybe getting traded. I need to, I need uh, John Clayton to tell me, you know, who's got contracts coming up and stuff. So let's go. Move it on. Why don't you sit down and enjoy, I guess, who would it have been then? Monica Sellis or something? <laughs> I don't think, no, it wasn't Monica How old do you think I am? You said you were a kid. Uh, yeah, I'm old. When, when, was, when was her prime? How old are you, like 35? Yeah, right around there. So Monica Sellis was playing like 20 years ago? What do you mean? <laughs> What's wrong with that compared? Monica Sellis is a when good When did one. she get stabbed? I, I kind of th- I kind of feel like her career was over after she got stabbed, but that's not true, I know. So. No, 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 no. Um. Uh, who do you want to say? Jim Courier? Who, would you, who do you prefer? <laughs> uh, Pete, you, Samp- you Pete Sampras would be good. You know. Pete Sampras? There you go. Well, Andre Agassi. Agassi? Federer. He was around forever. He just he, He's still around, right? Of course, yeah. He's not playing the U.S. Open, though. No Federer, no Nadal. Mm. Oh, Nadal, yeah. That's the only one I know, too. Then Djokovic got DQ'd for hitting a ball. <laughs> I did see ball, that. So. That was kind of awesome. So. Wide, wide open field. You know, I've done that before in rec league basketball, like, you know, slam the ball down and it like, fuck, it hits the referee in the back of the head. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm mad at myself. Not you. Not you. I promise. Like, but, you know, you know, who's going to love the tennis talk? Alan Cunahan. (laughs) Right. I'm glad we're, we're, you know, hey, loves the tennis. Do you remember Yannick Noah? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yakim Noah's father, a a prankster on the court, Rich. He was a lot of fun to watch. (laughs) Yeah, he was. He was a prankster. He was. Yeah. yeah. Chicago Bull. Famous Chicago Bull. I'm trying to think of who are the top women. I mean, it's, it was honestly like Serena forever because she's been good for 25 years now at this point, right? I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, Serena was probably good when you uh, were. Oh, what's her face? Uh, Kornikova, right? Or not? Yeah, yeah. No, not Kornikova. Yeah, uh, she wasn't good, though. Who was the other one that was good? There's a lot of good tennis players. No, Rich, no, no. You, you know to. the one I'm talking about. Um... I'm telling you, when you were a kid. It was Monica Sellis. <laughs> no, there was the other one. What's her name? God. Well, there's a lot of them. Lindsay Davenport? It wasn't Lindsay. Talking? I know who Lindsay Davenport is, but it was. I guess I watched a lot of tennis when I was a kid. I know all these names that you're mentioning. Look, so. you're mocking it, but you know <laughs> Yeah, maybe I did just say, you know what? I'm going to watch some hot tennis action here. You know what? This is going to get me ready for my school day. Let's see if Sellis I... can <laughs> Lindsay Davenport was my favorite for a while. She was tall. She was like 6'2". Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. I played a lot of the tennis video games, too. That's how I know all these people, too. Oh, yeah. See, you're a fraud. You didn't. You didn't watch Lindsay Davenport. You used her in like Virtual a PlayStation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, Monica Seles won her last major. Maria Sharapova is the one I was thinking of. Oh, oh, Sharapova. Yeah, yeah you should have well, gotten that when I said you know who I'm talking about. Her. <laughs> she wasn't that good though. Wasn't okay. Um. Monica Sellis won her last major in 96. How old were you in 96? Uh, what the hell was I? Math here. Uh, you were like 11. You were a kid. Yeah, nine. No, I was nine. I was nine. I was nine. 
So this is when you were annoyed. I don't add years to my. <laughs> I don't add years to you, Joe, and you don't add years to me. So. Well, you're very mysterious about your age, so I just. I'm not. You're mysterious. I was born in 1987. Not mysterious so, at all. So if she won her last major when you were nine. She probably hung around a couple years. So Monica Sellis was a tennis star when you were when you were a child. Now Steffi Graf might be going back too far. Yeah, right? I do know Steffi Graf, Steffi. but yeah, no, but I'm not. Yeah, I think she was a little older than Sellis Graf. Um. <laughs> Graph. Okay, what a Graf, horrible way to start this show. What an ungodly way to start this show. Graph retired in '99. Sellis retired in 2008. Well, uh, hold on, no caveat. Last match in 2008. Oh, you know, it, it trotted her out there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, she stopped playing in 2003, but she didn't announce her retirement until 2008. Oh, jeez. <laughs> look, 2003 is well into your childhood. I mean, you're like a teen by then. That's true. Yeah. So. I just want to say that Monica Sellis was accurate. Now, let's see Jim Courier, because now I have to prove <laughs> I, I don't know Jim Courier. I, I, I honestly don't Jim even know Currier. if I was alive during any of his... his... Redhead. Um, fiery player. Now, all right, he might be a little before your time. Well, he retired in 2000. He won all four majors. Yeah, I don't really... I don't remember ever seeing him, to be honest, Ever. But. No, he did not win. He went to the finals in all four majors. He he won he won Australia and France in the French. He uh, was a finalist in the U.S. Open in Wimbledon. So he's a good player. Good player, Jim Courier. Um. Oh. Oh. I know your guy. I know the guy of your childhood. The American. The other American. Because Courier is an American. The little guy. Little prick face American. What the hell was his name? <laughs> prick face American. Yeah, he just retired. He was a contemporary of. Uh, Ah, shit. What? It just I'm going to look up prick-face uh, American tennis player and see who comes up. Yeah, he's a little prick-face. Not, um, Con- not Jimmy Connors. That's who came up initially, I guess. So that's... My father's child. Yeah, I was going to say. I don't um, know why Jimmy Connors gave up first. I uh, I don't know. Yeah, you're going to have to get this one from yourself. I don't know. Oh, man. Any help in the chat room? Uh, no, they're they're a little bit behind. They, they were very helpful with the, Mir- the Maria Sharapova things, though. So that must have. Sharapova is just eye candy. I thought that was uh, the Kornikova thing. Was Sharapova also I hate? Oh, Kornikova. No, I'm confusing them. My yeah, Sharapova was good. Yeah, I was going to say, a lot of people might get mad at you. Because I think she was pretty good. But yeah, Kornikova was just like, look how hot she is. And it's like, yeah, yeah, is yeah. she any good? Well, who cares? Look how hot she is. She's in the magazine covers, you know. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. I think, hold on. Let's get this right. So we got a prick face male tennis player. No, Maria Sharapova was the hot Russian, correct? She wasn't very good. Well, I think they both were very attractive. One was, like, horrendous, and one was good, but also hot. Yeah, Sharapova won all four. Yeah, yeah, and she was she was good and hot. You're talking about, you're talking about Korn- I'm so confused. Right no, now. I was talking about Sharapova initially, but I, I, I knew Kornikova off the top of my head, but I know I never saw her actually play tennis because I don't think she ever did. Wait, never play? Of course she, what do you mean? No, but every time, no, she was out in the first round all the time. She stunk. So I'm getting these Russians confused. You are. I know Maria Who's... Sharapova. I I know both of them. Do you, do you know who hates this tennis segment right now? Everybody Alan else. Gordon. Everybody else but Alan. Oh, okay. No, he hates it now too because we're we we uh, destroyed. How about Caroline Wozniacki? Like there it her? is. Yeah, there we go. You like Wozniacki? Yeah. Kornikova. Yeah, Kornikova is the hot one that stinks. Okay, right? so here here's the two options we have from our chat room: Andy Murray or Andy Roddick. Andy Roddick. Yes. Andy Murray's British, but Andy Roddick is your guy. He was the he's the American tennis star of your youth, right? Yes, yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I remember him. Roddick. Yeah, yeah. He's a little prick face. Did he? Yeah, whatever happened, he like fell off the face of the earth, right? Andy, then Murray, he... Andy Murray's British. He's still going. He lost. He was in the U.S. Open this year. Um, Korn- your, Kornikova is the hot one that stunk. Yes. Just to get that straight. Sharapova was good. Yes, but also somewhat attractive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah both hot. One good. was good. One was horrendous. Yeah, yeah. Kornikova's no good. Yeah. I saw her live at the U.S. Open. I used to go to U.S. Open all the time. I live in New Jersey. Live tennis is great. You ever go to live tennis? Uh, no, it doesn't come around here too often, so I have never been to live tennis, no. Other than, like, no, high school tennis. I've covered, like, high school tennis, but, yeah, that's, you know. I mean, like, real. No, no, no. They don't, they don't come to Chicago, so. Arthur Ashe Court. I'm talking, yeah, I'm not you know. swanky. I don't get that. I don't have Arthur Ashe Court in my backyard there like you do, so. Well, not anymore. I don't. <laughs> no, Texas. There's not the Texas Open. There's not a. No, no. You know. I'd head out to Queens, though, for that U.S. Open. It's good stuff, man. You know, you get the ticket to the Arthur Ashe court, right? And here's how it would work. You buy the expensive ticket to the main court to see the stars. But that also gives you access to every other court on the on the grounds. So if you get a matchup you don't like on Ashe, you can just go to like, you know, court number one or court number fucking whatever the fuck and go watch somebody you want to watch. So that ticket grants you entry. Nobody cares. Um <laughs> But I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, actually, uh, a few years ago, I actually watched uh, uh, professional volleyball, professional beach volleyball. That was awesome. Karch Karai, right? I don't know any of the names, but that's fine. Will Chamberlain, he played it once. But <laughs> Canyon Seaman, little tie-in. What are you talking about? The WWE, uh, uh, the WWE. Yeah, the Canyon Seaman, Car- yeah. What's his yeah, name? He's a, pro- he a professional volleyball. I did not know that. Okay, well, there you go. As I said, it's a tie-in. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, there you go. Like, they always have wacky names like that. Karch Karai. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I thought you were just saying words. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> nah, you can't have a name like that and not be a professional volleyball player. That's like how it works. Like you're born into that, you know? Like if you if – you, okay, so my brother's having another kid. He told me yesterday. He goes, hey, uh, it's official. We're having a boy. I'm like, name him Ralph. I'm like, just to fuck with him. Like, you don't have to call him Ralph. You can call him whatever you want. But but name him Ralph so he has to go through life where every now and then when he's filling out paperwork or someone calls out his name, like the person that's with him who knows him is like, your name is Ralph? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then he's that like, doesn't yeah, sound like yeah, a very good idea. Yeah, that's not I don't like idea. to talk about it. No, he might do it. He's oh, like, no, yeah, that's no, not a bad idea. Please don't do that. <laughs> It's like just to fuck with the kid, you know, like like name him Ralph. Like all his friends will will know him as like Jimbo or whatever, but his real name is Ralph, and he has to like live with that shame that his name is Ralph. <laughs> why would you do that to a child? Because it's fun. Okay. What do you mean, why? <laughs> Poor kid hasn't even been born yet. And you're already trolling him. That that doesn't seem fair. I mean, you know, that's what's the point? You gotta fuck with him if you have him. So it toughens him up too. So you know, you, you, it makes them lighthearted and fun when you mess with your kids um what was i talking about that for oh the wacky volleyball yes games, right? yeah 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 but that that is a live event sport is pretty awesome too because uh this one they just like propped up on a beach in chicago and then there was just like seven different courts and you just bounce between them all and like dude the action's hot like you know you go you go men you go women you go you bounce back and forth between the two it, it was a lot of fun i would definitely do it again if you get a chance you're out in the sun so you would hate it there's sand everywhere so you would also hate it I would try it. I'd try any live sport at its highest level. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was like, cool. Like, just watching it, like, I, I gained a, so much of an appreciation for, for uh, uh, men's and women's volleyball. Especially, I, th- I think, like, the women's a lot better. 
Because the men's was like, they're so good and so big and so talented. Like, it was, they would just spike it into the ground. And, like, they never returned the spikes. Because it was like, yeah, things going like 150 miles per hour. Like, just get out of the way. Whereas, like, you'd get tons of volleys in the women's game. It would go back and forth, back and forth. And that was a lot more fun than, like, yeah, the guys would be like, you know, serve, set, spike, serve, set. You know, and then, like, yeah, it was just that infinitely. Until maybe one guy got lucky and was able to kind of, you know, block it or, or, or do something. But otherwise, it was just guys throwing, you know, 150 mile per hour volleyballs at each other. So... Yeah, I mean, I would try it because the first time I went to the U.S. Open, it was like on a work thing. Like, you know, one of the higher ups was like a big tennis guy, right? And I didn't, I like, I liked TV tennis. I didn't know how I was going to feel about the live tennis. And then I loved it and went back every year. So you never know when you go to these, you know, these lives. It's got to be the highest level, though. Like, I don't like jabroni level of anything. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to go see, like, don't invite me to your kid's volleyball game at, you know, fucking <laughs> bumfuck high school. I'm not going to enjoy I, it. I, I, I watch a lot yeah. of high school sports, but uh, some by, like, me having to. And then, like, I like high school basketball. High school basketball is pretty solid. But uh, I've definitely – it has definitely petered off in recent years. Now, now I have a few friends that coach, so I, I have to go, like, watch their games or whatever and then, like, you know, watch game tape with them later, which is excruciating sometimes. But, um, you know, it's all for helping my buddies out, so. Jennifer Capriati. You like the Capriati? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Martina Hingis was uh, a popular one in the chat room, too. I was a big fan of her back in the day, so. Oh, Hingis? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, Hingis. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess I watched uh, a lot more tennis than I thought, so that's, you know. Yeah, you're up on all these tennis players. I've, like, st- like after 2004, I'm pretty much done, but up until then, I, I got go? a lot. You know, how deep can you go? You know Marty Fish? Nah, don't know Marty Fish. Not a big Marty Fish guy? No? Marty with a D. M-A-R-D-Y, Marty Fish. American. I think the highest he got was like 20th in the world or something. Mid-level guy. He'd always lose in like second round. Not a Marty Fish guy, huh? Yeah, How about a Bobby know. Fish? You Bobby Fish guy? <laughs> I do like Bobby Fish. Yeah? No Marty Fish though, huh? Nah, that's not going to work yeah. for me. Anyway, right. <laughs> let's yeah, let's no, get to this. We got plenty to get to uh, here tonight. We're talking G1 Climax. We're talking Miro. A little bit more on Miro. I know you just uh, discussed a lot of it on the TV reviews, Thursday TV reviews up at uh, patreon.com. Uh, slash Voices Wrestling. So we're not going to do a ton about Miro, but uh, I did want to get my thoughts in there and, and, and kind of touch on it a little bit because it is an important I did, I did, thing. I did 20 minutes on Miro. <laughs> well, we're going to do 10 I, minutes I, more. I blew out my vocal cords doing Miro. <laughs> I, actually, I actually didn't yell and scream that much. I just, you know, a uh, lot, of, lot of bits. Yeah, liked it I that much. Well, you liked it a lot. I did not like it as much. So uh, Don't don't misrepresent <laughs> me. I didn't, I didn't like it at oh. all. Uh, is that no, true oh well weird no did not like the Miro debut but um I can't give away that content for free no I no mean, no I know I did 20 minutes on Miro come on man but yeah you gotta get your licks in I'll touch I'll touch yeah. on a little bit yeah we won't, we won't go into yeah. excruciating detail about the uh, listen, uh, Twitch streamer listen. guy so that's fine so. the people gotta know your takes on on, on the Miro yes uh, 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 WWE Labor Day like- ratings uh, he looks how... like he's he looks like he's handing out mixtapes on the street. <laughs> yes, now, he does. That's what he looks yeah. like. Right? That's what he looks like. He looks like you leave a rap concert and a guy is, hey, you want to listen to my tape? I'm like, nah, man, I'm good. Yeah, I'm gonna pass on the mixtape. Yeah, thanks though. Yeah, the best is will hand you those and then like charge you for. Them. I'm like, oh, bro, like, I, like gonna... right, right, right. Now you now it's like a legally binding contract. You've just purchased the mix, and then you feel guilty and you pay. Yeah, I, I have pay. I do have many of those. They've all been thrown out over the years. I don't have any remaining, but. Um, right. I should have actually kept a few of those. You never know, you know. Yeah. Especially in Chicago, like I may have found a future star in one of those. But uh, judging by the quality in, in what I received, I, I don't. Uh, I don't think so. So. You know what else Miro looks like now? 
He looks like the guy that works at the mall kiosk that sells like third party phone accessories. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> That's what he looks like. The shitty covers for your phone and shit. And mm-hmm. like... yeah. I said uh, I said he looks like um looks like he looks like a divorced dad who hangs out at a club. Like yeah. he drives a sports car. He 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 has like vodka waters because he's trying to stay in tip top shape, you know. And, and and but he's like hitting on twenty two year olds, and they're like, "How old are you?" And he's like, "Doesn't matter." Like, yeah, desperately clinging to his youth. Yeah, right, right, right. He smells horrible. He just smells like terrible cologne. Yeah, drives his his like mid level sports car. It's not like a good. It's not like you know. It's not a good sports car. But it's like, you know, in the 90s would be a Miata or whatever, but I, I don't know what the current, like, mid-level sports car is. It's what his credit afforded him. Okay? Yeah, right, right. It'd be like a Miata and then to like the, into, like, the Dodge Vipers of the uh, 90s and 2000s. I don't know what that car is uh, these days. But you know, the, uh, you know the class of car I'm talking about, right? We're not car guys. We'll botch this badly. We'll botch this worse than name a tennis player from Rich's year. <laughs> right. So, it's, <laughs> you know... Um, so uh, what else we got on this? Okay, show? we also have law, uh, Labor Day ratings for Raw, which uh, were not great, Joe. So we'll talk a little bit about that, a little bit about the the drops in viewership from from year to year, uh, and a little bit about you know what's coming because the NFL is coming and NBA playoffs are coming, and those are starting to gain some momentum ratings wise. So uh, just a little bit about you know WWE and what's going on with their ratings, uh, and then we're going to bounce around a, f- a few different places in the final part of the show. Uh, Ref Pro UK, Epic Encounters Night 2, we're going to talk about that show, looks really good on paper, two matches that definitely stand out to me, uh, that had me pretty excited, uh, a show that does not have me very excited, but somehow wants seven ninety nine of my money, uh, U- uh, UWN Primetime Live, the first episode of the U- uh, new United Wrestling Network uh, is coming at the beginning of next week, and we're going to talk about that card, which, Joe, does not look as good as the Rev Pro UK card, I could say definitively <laughs> that's the case, uh, and then we're going to touch a little bit about uh, Gabe Sapolsky, uh, we were going to talk about this last week, but he officially announced that he was done with WWN, uh, done booking indies, and we'll talk a little bit about his legacy uh, as far as being a booker, and 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 you've been banging this drum for a while too, so we'll, we'll kind of do it again here, I think in, in, in bigger form of just how how big of a, a, a gap he's going to leave uh, in the independence if, if he is officially done and, and never going back to it uh, ever again, which looks to be the case. It looks like he's, he's cashed those chips in, and rightfully so, and, and, and appears to be done. So we'll talk a little bit uh, about that, but of course we got to begin with the G1 Climax, Joe participants, matches we're looking forward to, odds to win, all this stuff going on. We need to touch on the G1 Climax. Now, for the record, we are recording this on Thursday. We do not have the schedule yet. I believe the schedule comes out on the 11th. It'll be tomorrow morning, right? I think that the schedule is coming out. So if you're listening to this on the weekend, if you're listening to this next week, we don't have the schedule in front of us right now as you're hearing us talk about this. We do not have the schedule, uh, but that's going to make it a little bit more fun, I think. Then we can kind of, because in, in past years, we'd had the schedule, we had the participants, and we would do this game of, okay, who's going to win? Or, hey, you think this guy could win? Or The problem, though, with that is, like, you would tell me, hey, what's the final four matches? And then you'd say, oh, well, you know, it's going to be this guy and this guy. <laughs> it's obvious. That's how they booked it. And it's like, oh, that's not very fun. Is this, we have, we're wide open. We don't know what the hell's going to happen. Plus, we have the COVID uh, thing still going. We still have a Tokyo Dome that's going to be maybe, you know, quarter capacity, third capacity. So anything could happen with this G1, which is a lot of fun. So we'll talk about that uh, odds to win. But, uh, Joe, you want me to, uh, let's break down these these blocks here real quick. I'll just announce the blocks. We'll start with the A block. Then we'll go to the B block. I'll kind of get your thoughts uh, on both of those. So we'll start with the A block here. I think... Everybody should think, I mean, this block's fucking loaded. I can't wait uh, to watch most of the matches uh, in this block. But the A block is Kota Ibushi, Kazuchika Okada, Jeff Cobb, Tomohiro Ishii, Will Ospreay, Shingo Takagi, Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, Jay White, and Yujiro Takahashi. So, Yeah, the big thing here is um, 
the middle of last week, I compared my notes with uh, Joel from the Jcast in terms of what we'd been told privately concerning the G1 lineup over the last several weeks. And anyone who listened to the Jcast last week where they, they, you know, strongly hinted that a lot of the foreigners were there and, um, and kind of nailed who some of them were going to be because, you know, they get good information. And, you know, uh, I had a tentative G1 list that didn't include foreigners that had the caveat of this is subject to change if we can get them in. So we kind of think we know what the lineup looked like before they were able to get in these, what is it, five guys, right? Osprey, White, Cobb, Kenta, and Juice. Correct, yeah. Okay, so by getting, you know, and, and, and the lineup before they were able to do that, because that really came down from Japan, really, it, it saved New Japan's ass. Oh, it was 11th so hour that, stuff, yeah. They're, they're, yeah. They're, I mean, we, we're talking about those restrictions somewhat being lifted about a week ago, and then we, we were down to the, the, the wire, too, of like, okay, if these guys are going to come to the country, they have to be here now, they have to quarantine. So it's not only just that they have to get here. That's the first caveat is, yes, you can have these people come to your country, then they have to quarantine so they're ready for the G1, because then we were, you know, the scenario could have been, okay, we have these guys that are in the country, but they have to miss the first five shows because they're still quarantining right. or whatever. Everything worked out perfectly in this case, where the guys are still on quarantine, but they'll all be done and ready. I mean, this, this could not have worked out better for New Japan. The timing. Yeah, and the tentative lineup did have juniors in it because it had to. I mean, you're working with an X amount of guys, you know, so. Um, it, but they got the five guys in, and then, you know, at the end of the day, there's only three changes from last year. And those are changes that likely would have occurred anyway. John Moxley was not going to be in this thing, not with having to be on TV every week. Or it was highly doubtful that he'd be in. I guess you can't say that he definitely wouldn't have been. Lance Archer, though, definitely would not have been. Uh, New Japan cut ties with him immediately when he jumped to AEW. And I forget who the third – who was the third – I can't remember who the third guy was. But – It was, uh, it was Archer. It was Archer Moxley Fale. and, and – and, and, um, Fale. And Fale, yeah, are the three that, that were not in uh, – that are not in and that were in last year. So Yeah, so Fale would have been. I think we could all safely say that. But um, So what they ended up here was with a really strong group of uh, – there's a really strong G1 when, you know, at the 11th hour there, it really was going to be a, a very much a watered down field. So, and the A block is, is phenomenal. I mean, you know, it, it's not just that they got five guys in, look at the five they got in. I mean, Willow Spray is arguably the best wrestler in the world. And last year he was the best tournament, right? He might've had Willow Spray's 2019, you know, outside of just being one of the historically great years in pro wrestling history. He was the best tournament. That might have been the best tournament year that anyone has ever had. Oh yeah, mostly because he was in every tournament, which, which helped. He was in New Japan Cup. He was in the juniors. He was in the you know yeah that, that's what you know. Or I, I forget if he was in the New Japan Cup either. Or, or no, he what. was. He yeah, was. that's right. Oh, he wasn't. He was in New Japan Cup, the juniors, G one, <laughs> just in fucking everything. Well, yeah, just between those three. I yeah. mean, his best of the super. He was the best guy in the best of super junior. He was the best. He was arguably one of the best guys in the G one. Um. I graded out his best of Super Junior matches. Every single one of them was four stars or better. The entire tournament. I mean, it was the best, best of the Super Junior performance I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen them all. Um, you know, then he went in the G1 and, and crushed it. Yeah. No one ever had I forgot a about the J-Cup. He was in the J-Cup last year, too. I forgot they even did the J-Cup last year. The J-Cup and, and the New Japan Cup. He had the great match with Lance Archer. Remember, yeah. they had their first match at New Japan Cup. And then they opened up the G1 in Dallas against each other and had another great match. He had the best tournament year of any wrestler of all time. So to get a guy like that, who's arguably the best wrestler in the world at his peak, who is a proven 
you know, just top tier tournament wrestler. And then you get Jay White, who's very important uh, in terms of star power and everything else. And you get Kenta back in here and you get Juice in here and you get Cobb. I mean, they lucked out. I mean, they just got, you know, this is just uh, such a good break for them. And this is a legitimate full on G1 field. And we were not sure we were getting that like 10 days ago. But now you get these guys in, they quarantine for 14 days, and away you go. It's great. It's great news for everybody. Yeah, I, I, I'm way more excited about this than I was, you know, seeing that tentative list or, or just in your head being able to make a tentative list, even if that list wasn't, yeah. you know, really accurate, just in your head thinking, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, it's either old guys, juniors, or guys that stink. You know what I mean? It's about, like, you know, if, uh, say for, like, you know, if Hiromu got in, I'd have no issue with Hiromu in here uh, over some of the guys. You know, like, if, if Kenta couldn't make it and we had to have Hiromu, that's fine. If, if you know... Um, Jay White couldn't make it, and we had to have Hanare. Like, yeah, that's you know a little bit of star power missing, but I have faith that Hanare would go in there and, and, and do some decent work or whatnot, or, or you know whoever whoever the guys were going to be. But yeah, once you started getting past a few names, you're thinking, oh Jesus, like it's either like you know let's dig up the old guys or you know let's just fill it with juniors, and that that it just wouldn't feel like a true G1. And this this absolutely feels like a real G1. I mean, this I I just posted an article at, at VoicesWrestling.com uh, today, just talking about how. I can't believe how familiar this all is. Like when you look at the field, it looks pretty similar. And, and like some people might see that as a negative. Oh, it's the same as it was last year. Dude, I couldn't, I can't wait. I can't believe that it's the same as it was last year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Save for a few different people. And everybody that got included, like, you know, yeah, we have Yudro in there and that's not great. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. And we have, you know, Yoshihashi in there and that's, you know, whatever. But like, you know, one of the guys that, that gets, you know, put in um, is Minoru Suzuki. And like when you talk about Bad, bad Luck Follies out, you know, put Yujiro and Bad Luck Folly in the same category. That's kind of a wash. Uh, Moxley is going to be missed, but I think Minoru Suzuki can step into the Moxley role perfectly fine and be, you know, definitely great. And then you have, like, you know, Yoshihashi and Lance Archer. Like, your your mileage may vary on that, but, like, I think that's relatively close. I think I, I'd probably prefer Archer in there. But all in all, like, that's pretty damn good. When we talk about the, the ones going in and the ones coming out, like, that's that's not bad. I, I think that maybe Yujiro might be the only guy that wouldn't have been in it. Uh, you know, and maybe Yoshihashi, but I'm not even so sure about him. Because if you throw those two out, look, Fale would have 100% been in it. I think we all agree yeah, with that. sure. The only other guy that's questionable to me is Hanare. I personally think they would have put Hanare in it. I think coming off pre-COVID, I think it was obvious that Hanare was being elevated. Um, he was going to get a never title shot, and I really feel like this – this year just felt like the year for him to be elevated. But if it's not Hanare, then who would it have been? I, it, it wasn't going to be Sho. Sho has only been considered because Yo is hurt. It wasn't going to be Hiromu, obviously, because they didn't put him in it. I mean, he'd be in it if they wanted him in it. Um, Kojima, it looks like they're just, he's in Nakanishi land now. I think we all need to just accept that. So who else is there outside of of Fale? It would have had to have been Hanare. Yeah, well, they, I, like you could you know bring back a Yuji Nagata or whatever, but that's you know he he had a no. Off. They already he had, did yeah. their farewells. Well, he did. So, like there was a quote last week when I think they had to like kind of get ready for the possibility. And he was like, "Yeah, sure, I'd love to be you know return to the G one." Like right, they don't want right. that to happen, but if it was like, "Ah, fuck, Yuji, we need you," he, he'd do it, of oh, course. But oh, like, I'm talking. No, no, no. I'm talking. In a non-COVID world, what the lineup? Would oh, be. I see what you're saying. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no chance for him. So I think Fale would have been in for sure. He's yeah, he's yeah, definitely. And I think maybe Hanare would have been the other one if you want to take Yoshihashi out. What I'm saying is Yujiro wouldn't have been in it. 
he definitely would have been the no, first No, he, he's, he's one of the few, I, I think one of the only guys I would say on this list. Yeah, or, or like you're saying, the only guy on this list that, that, that is in because of COVID. Everybody else seems like they're in because of merit for the most part. Yoshihashi is like questionable. I, I am not positive with him. But that's why my point was, if you say, okay, Yoshihashi wouldn't have been, who would have been in his place? The only possible replacement is Hanare. If we're working off of the premise that Fale would have been in instead of Yujiro. I don't think we're forgetting anyone who isn't available. First of all, if they are available and they're not in, then that eliminates them right off the bat. Your, your Hiromu's, your people like that. Mm-hmm. Kojima. Because if they wanted Hiromu and Kojima, and they'd be in. So you have to think uh, man, who's Mikey not around. Nichols, baby. <laughs> I'm just joking, obviously. Hey, listen. No, no days off Fred Rosser. <laughs> right. Get him in there. I like how I can't even um, say Mikey Nichols without laughing. What a fucking disaster. My yeah, God. Remember, man, I, I'd love to hear like our shows you know, a year before, or like, you know, a few days before his debuting, like, ah, man, Mikey Nichols really can prove these guys wrong. <laughs> like, he was so good. Wasn't he good? He was good, right? Like, five years ago, he was really good. Some guys are tag guys. We're not making that up, tag. right? Like, he was good. No, he was good. Maybe. Right, okay. Some, some guys are tag guys. I mean, he hasn't gotten rave reviews for his Australian work either since he left. Yeah. So it's like, some guys are just tag guys. He's also late 30s, banged up. He's been wrestling forever. That guy was original LA Dojo. With Rocky Romero. That's and true. Yeah, I always, for, I always forget that. Yeah. And Brian Danielson and TJ Perkins. Like, he was, like, early. He was, like, 2001 New Japan LA Dojo. So this is a guy that's a 20-year veteran. He's been through it. There's nothing wrong with being a tag guy. You know? Um, but uh, maybe he just needs, you know, maybe he needs Shane Haste to get released. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um. But yeah, no, seriously though, like yeah, I'm, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to think of like, and these are just all like all the names that I can think of outside my head is like Yotasuji, but again, he's a young line; he'd only be in there to kind of take falls oh, or whatever, yeah. and they don't really, they don't really need that, you know, especially and again, in this... he's there; they put him in if they want. Exactly, that, yeah, yeah. So he he's obviously not uh, a reason. You're Tamatonga Tangaloas, but you know that that's been kind of a joke as of late too. You know the uh, hey, I'm Tama-tongo. not coming into the tournament. <laughs> hey, yeah. you know. So Tama- you know they've been out for years anyway. Why would they put him back in after taking him out last exactly. year? Exactly. Right, right. Uh, and here's your choices. It's Fale, Hanare, and Moxley. What about Carl Fredericks? You know what? He, okay, that's fair. But you know what? Do you put him in a G1 already? And Because he's got to go like one and eight. I mean, I guess he, he could do that, but it's like, don't you have to pay some dues before you get in the yeah, G1? Yeah, I like, I, like, I like this current path of him just going on a year where he just beats everybody below him. Before he moves up, and 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 because yeah, he's he we're it's still pretty fresh in the mind that he's just losing every match or you know losing every you know because he's a junior or a, a, a young lion. So I think a year of him beating everybody that are kind of a rung below him before he moves up is probably the better plan. So like next year, if you want to put him in the G one and he goes one and seven, I think I'm okay with that. But this year it would it would feel a little weird. Hey, I think bottom line here is we're close to the field that they wanted. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, we're like ninety five percent. You know, when you look at this and. Yeah, that A block is phenomenal. And, um, you know, I was going to go through some of the snubs, but I think we already did that. So, um, and, 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 you know, our feelings on him. I mean, Folly would have been in. And, I, you know, I, I'm really I'm disappointed that Hanare isn't in it. I, I, I'm disappointed that he lost this entire year because I really think this was his year. Um, you know, and Kojima, I just think the ship has sailed and it's never – they're not going to give him his go-away G1, and it's a shame. But that could be the price you pay for leaving. 
was gonna say, yeah, maybe don't maybe don't leave, <laughs> you know, in the peak of your push and go to the rival company. And I mean, you know, it's it was objectively in hindsight the correct move for his career because oh no question got, yeah no question he, he got the biggest push of his life in all Japan and then they begged. They essentially begged on their hands and knees for him to come back and save New Japan as All Japan Triple Crown Champion. And he did. And he did. And he had them in the palm of his hands. And he came back and and you know and and worked that angle and then eventually came back into the company um full time. And then was the guy who handed the baton to Tanahashi for Tanahashi's big run. In 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 what I think is a underrated match historically. That was a symbolic match at that Wrestle Kingdom of the old generation passing the torch to Tanahashi. And it was Kojima who they put in that spot. Not Nagata, not Tenzan, Kojima. So he has a – now everyone knows I'm an unabashed Kojima fan. And maybe I'm a little biased, but I do think he has an underrated historical career when you look at all of these things. But yeah, that could be a factor as to why he doesn't get the going away G one that guys right. like Nagata and Tenzan got because he left. He he left with Muto and, and jumped off of that sinking ship and then came back and helped patch up the holes. And then ultimately was the guy who put Tanahashi over. Rich, have you that's a great match. Have you oh seen yeah, that yeah, match? of course, of course. And the storytelling in that match, the sim the symbolism and everything else, you know? And then um you know, so it's it's like he kind of gets lost in the shuffle of guys. You know, you know, people talk about Tenzan and Nagata, and, and and you go back further, Chono and Hashimoto, and it's a shame that people often leave out Kojima when they're talking about these New Japan legends, because you know I think he deserves to be spoken in the same breath as all those guys. And when you just look at his career as a whole, and that great All Japan run, which I'd like to do a deep dive on eventually. To to re-explore it. Yeah, I think, I think that is in our – that's in our big list, isn't it? It's it's on our master list, yeah. yeah. good, good. It's going to be hard to rustle up some of the matches, but you know where to get them. And, you know, it, 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 you know it, I think he's had a – as a whole, his career is very interesting. Too. Borderline Hall of Famer. I, like, I don't know if I'd vote for him necessarily, but he's not a guy where I would see his name and, like, instantly disregard him at all. But – uh Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I think we'll never see him in a G. It's a shame because he still has, you know, yeah, a lot to offer. I know. This is, this is the thing that I've been arguing with people almost the entire year about is like, I, I just don't understand why, you know, all the all this COVID shit happens, all this sort of happens. And I'm like, dude, you got a guy there that's like, a, you know, a proven main eventer. Yeah, he's a little old, but dude can still go. Like, you know what I mean? He still has, you know, a legendary aura about him. He He's the legend that all those other guys are, but he can still go to a high level. Yuji Nagata can sometimes go. Tenzan obviously can't go anymore. Nakanishi clearly can't go and had to retire. Like all those other guys, like nobody else from that generation can really go on that level anymore. Kojima still can. Like you could absolutely have Kojima have a hope spot, you know, main event, you know, for the IWGP title. And oh my God, is he going to do it in his old age? And no, he doesn't, but he has a hell of a match and makes you think that he might. Like I, I, I don't understand why they haven't done that at least one. Like why not? Here's an exercise for everyone. Take Yujiro out of that block and put Kojima. Yeah, dude. <laughs> like. There's not a bad match to yeah. block. Kojima Abushi, Kojima Okada, Kojima Ishii, Kojima Osprey, Kojima Shingo, Kojima Suzuki. There's not a bad match Great. to block at all left. Imagine Taichi pissing him off. I'm even down for that. 
look, Taichi in that block is going to be good. Because, listen, Taichi's hit or miss, but you put him in with that level oh, of he talent. Can't, yeah, you can't miss with these guys. I mean, Jesus. And then you have – that's not a catch, by the way, this Chiefs game. That is not a catch. <laughs> Wave that touchdown not watching, off. Not um, and then you have Cobb, who I think is a little overrated. But, again, with those people, Cobb is going to be fine. And then you have Ujiro. But I will say this about the A block, and obviously it's loaded. My most anticipated match of the G1, the one I have circled, Rich, and I hyped this up on Twitter today, is in the A block. And there's a lot of choices, right? And I promise you, I'm not doing a bit. This is not like, I'm not playing this for laughs. My most anticipated match in the G1 comes out of the A block, and it's Yujiro versus Will Ospreay. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Will Ospreay had a notebook match against Dookie in the best of the Super Juniors last year. Carried that guy to the match of his existence. Yujiro, as we know, direct quote from a pro wrestler who will not be named. I did what I could with a Yujiro. (laughs) Concerning a G1 match. Yes, I do remember that. Okay. I did what I can with. I like how it's he he took out a a, a Yujiro, not Yujiro, a Yujiro, as if now he's like the representative of just a shitty, like, how the hell do you do anything with this guy wrestler? It's just now called a Yujiro. I I love that idea. Direct quote. Yeah. I did what I could with a Yujiro. Okay. Yujiro is even known within the locker room as like, ah, fuck. I got to make something. I'm sure out of he knows too. You think Yujiro goes out there and thinks, ah, that was a great match I just had. He knows. He comes out with his babe. He does his things and he goes to the back and he's perfectly content with it. You think that, you think that guy takes pride in the bell to bell of his act? No, he doesn't. Get the out of here. The problem with Yujiro is he's also a little sloppy. Yes. We've seen him drop guys on their heads and blow spots. So it's like not even like it's a very stressful night for the wrestlers. Put it that way. And it's like. I want to see how Will Ospreay approaches that match because he never lets up. He's always tons of effort, and he he can drag great matches out of bad wrestlers. If he can drag a great match out of Yujiro, you know what I mean? So it's like I don't think anyone else is even going to bother trying. So that's why, to me, that's my most anticipated match. I know all those other matches are going to be great. How boring would it be to say, ah, I'm really looking forward to Kota Ibushi versus uh, – Tomohiro Ishii. Well, yeah, you and everybody else on planet Earth are looking forward to Kota Ibushi versus Tomohiro Ishii. I want to see if Will Ospreay can get a great match out of a Yujiro. How about that? That's good. I like it. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, obviously, the the matches that really stick out to me, ones that, that you know, jump off the page. The first one that jumps off the page to me is, is one that I don't recall. I mean, maybe we have seen at some point. I don't recall ever seeing Kota Ibushi and Shingo. That's got to be a first time ever, right? I think we talked – did we talk about that or was it um, – I know that Jcast tweeted out all of the first-time matchups. You talk about – I will look for it. Yeah, let's, let's see it. Let's see it. Let's see. And I, I'll do a quick uh, cage match search to see if these guys ever uh, had a one-on-one because, I mean, that is like – you're talking like uh, – cage match says no. Cage match says they never had a, a one-on-one match. So that's tags. a good one. So, I mean, that's like – you're talking like – I know I, I you know, my personal, you know, top ten wrestlers of all time, you know, facing off – with each other for the first time ever. Like, that's, I mean, come on. Kotobushi and Shingo. And those guys that take so much pride in their work and never take a day off. Like Fred Roser, <laughs> they also don't take a day off. Um, 
Cannot wait. Yeah, that that and and that's like a dumb one that everyone, of course, is gonna say. Yeah, that. But like, really, that one. Like that. That's that's circled, highlighted, bolded. Like, oh, dude. Like I, I'm now worked myself into such a shoot that these guys are gonna have like a four and a half star match. And I'm gonna be like, eh, it was all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's how anticipated I am for that one because, uh, yeah, the sky's the limit for Shingo versus Kota Ibushi. I mean, I just I cannot wait for that. The A block has 14 first That's what time. I'm saying, dude. I saw the B block, and it was like three, and then like the A block has got – yeah. Read them off if you, if you have them in front of you. The B block has three, and they're nothing. It's uh, Yano versus Kenta, Juice versus Yoshihashi, <laughs> and Juice versus Kenta. Yeah, I mean, you can no have one. those all. I'll take Juice and Kenta, I guess, maybe, but yeah, you can, you can take uh, those. Is that, that's not exactly a dream match. Yeah, you can go have those all. Yeah, read these uh, A block ones because – Well, I'll, I'll read you the interesting ones. Um Minoru Suzuki versus Will Ospreay. Shingo versus Okada. Shingo versus Ibushi. Is this really the first Shingo versus Okada? Well, fuck, never mind. Two top ten wrestlers. Never mind. There's more top ten wrestlers in, in, in Rich's lifetime uh, facing off each other for the first time. Fuck. I Really? Okada and Shingo never? That's what it says. God you damn. can look it up. A you block. Can cross- a block. Let's go. You could cross reference it if you want. I'm sure they're, they're I'm sure they're right. No reason to believe. I mean, I'm trying to think in my head of where they would have ever cross pads, and yeah, I don't. I'll talk my head. Think of it, but let me let me see if I can do a quick little dive. Just to... uh, Jeff Cobb versus almost everyone. Um, Jeff Cobb has five first time matches. Yeah, out of yeah, it. yeah, whatever. Um, Willow Spray versus Ishi is a first time. Really? Match for him. <laughs> God damn. And then Yujiro has. Believe it or not, Yujiro has five. <laughs> yeah, how is that even? Well, I guess because he's been out of G one since what fifteen. He doesn't do tournaments. Yeah, and he doesn't do yeah, he doesn't do tournaments. So yeah, a lot of one on one matches with him versus any of these guys, any of these guys that are newer to the company, is, is pretty rare. So yeah, so um, yeah, those would be the ones you would circle. You'd got Suzuki Osprey, Shingo Okada, Shingo Abushi, Osprey Ishi. Yeah, that's out of the fourteen, block. those are the yeah, um, yeah, a block. It's going to be great. Oh, I mean, man. so. I guess we suck B block low. Like I don't think B block is terrible. I think B block is pretty good. I think B block has a lot of interesting matches from a story perspective. I yeah. don't think the match quality is going to be as. I mean, this this happens every year in the G one though, where one block is 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 clearly stronger than the other. I think most years we come on here and say that. Um, but I'm not like. But there's some years where one of the blocks I'm just like ugh. You know, there's like three guys that I think are any good. But I think the B block looks pretty interesting. I mean, no, I I think, yeah, my criticism to the B block is that it's nowhere near as good as the A block. But like, how could it (laughs) like listen to those names we just mentioned? Like, there's no way the B block could ever fit fit that level. So it's okay. Before we can I give you one caveat to the A block? Now, I know how I feel about this. I know how you feel about it, too. But there's a lot. I think this is the listeners might not feel the same way. I am of the belief that Okada has been fucking around and he's ready to just turn it on. But do you think there's any chance that he's washed up? There is. I mean, there absolutely is because we just haven't seen it from him since he came back. I I would love to know in that first match, whatever that schedule is going to be, whatever that first day you like to come out of the gate, something hot. If he's against, you know, Ishii on night one or whatever. And goes out there and, and 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 we'll know in like two minutes. You know what I mean? Like we'll know because I knew you know as the second the bell rang on those Yudro matches, you knew he was fucking around. You knew he didn't care. He didn't give a shit. I hope he's not washed up. I really do. I would really, really, really hope uh, he's not washed up because this is gonna be a long few years if, if that's the case. Um, 
no, I mean, I, I can't say definitively that he's not washed up until I see him do it again. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I'll, I'll be watching. I mean, I think we'll know pretty quickly, uh, pretty quickly if he's, you know, if, if that was just him realizing it's against a huge row and there's no point in really trying or if he is truly watched. So, I don't know. Yeah, I'm the opposite. I don't believe it until I see it. I don't believe you're done until I see it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And unless you think that what we've seen over the last, you know, two months or whatever is it. I just I can't buy in that this guy at the top of his peak at the peak of his powers all that sort of stuff is just fucking done. I think it. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know, but no. I've I, already given, but the thing is, I've already given my theory as to what COVID era Okada has been. I just think he's entered the point of his career where he's banged up and he's not going to try unless he has to. He is he has entered the Naito Tanahashi portion of his career. Sure, right, yeah, well, six man tag on the uh, lower card amount because because this is a guy who who night in night out and we would laugh about it too is like. You know, all the old timers, you know, his, his, his Togi Makabe's and his Tanahashi's and all these other guys are tagging him for two seconds, doing one move and tagging out. Or Togi Makabe just never tagging out or just never, you know, even coming to the ring, basically, sometimes. And Okada, we would say, like, man, dude, it's like December 21st in, like, the, you know, the the first, the opener of, like, a long card. And he's out there bouncing all around and bumping back and forth. And it's like, dude, you don't have to do that. Like, it's just, you know, go in there, do your shit and get out of there. And I think that may have been what we saw. I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I will believe until... I truly see it. The G1 will be it. If, if after the G1 we say, eh, decent but okay performances by Okada, then then we can really have that talk. Because, you know, yeah, you might be have a guy that's not motivated by the lack of crowds or not motivated by, you know, the, the no-mouth noises or whatever. But, like, if you're not motivated getting in the ring in a G1 against Tomohiro Ishii or Kota Bushi or, or Shingo or Will Ospreay, then, okay, it's not just motivation. It might be that you're washed. So we'll see. I, I think, but no matter what, we'll know very quickly if he's if he's if he's back. Truly, there's a couple of things you learn during G1 season. Number one, the G1 tells no lies. Okay, uh, the, the 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 G1 is like white spandex. It tells no lies. Okay. So, and the other thing about the G1 is you cannot handicap award season until G1 happens. People make that mistake. Every year. I don't want to hear about your wrestler of the year list or anything else until the G1 because the G1 blows that shit up. So we'll know, like you're saying right away, couple nights in, in this block where really, unless it's Yujiro and maybe Jeff Cobb, if you don't match up well with him, there's no excuse not to have a great match. We'll know right away. But to me, it when I look at Okada, I see effort level, not ability as the issue. I just think he looks at empty arena. Who gives a fuck? I'm not, my neck hurts, you know, other parts of my body hurt. There's no fans here. Fuck this. I'm putting on this lazy Cobra clutch and that's all you're getting out of me. And then matches against Yujiro. That motherfucker. Ain't I mean, I wasn't motivated to watch them, so I can't imagine he was motivated performing them. So I get it. Yeah. He's not bumping for that guy, you know? So, you know, you get him in there against Will Ospreay. Yeah, I guess your your, your your point is, like, you know, some of the New Japan Cup matches that he had, like, those didn't quite deliver, you know, against Romu and some other ones. But it's like, again, the no fans, I I, I think it's a, it was a shock to a lot of the New Japan guys, more than we kind of maybe thought that there was going to be, that those guys came out there and no fans, empty arena in a little bit of a warehouse. And these guys, they were, they were shook. There was a lot of guys, you could tell, that just were not themselves, didn't feel motivated, didn't look motivated, didn't appear to have, you know be able to make the same connections that they did before, not being able to get the same energy that they got before. I think that you probably got those out by now. I would hope that you get those jitters out a little bit and, and maybe just, you know, going to arenas that actually have physical people in them 
is going to help a lot. And and yeah, maybe, you know, not facing Udrow will, will, will certainly help too. So. Listen, if I'm a 32-year-old Okada or whatever he is, with the career that I've had and the status I have, I am not killing myself in those Hell matches. No. Hell I'm no. just not doing it. I am T-shirt Naito. And that's just what it's going to be. And I don't blame any of those guys in those scenarios because they do kill themselves in these G1s and these big title matches. And we've said it for years. All of these guys have earned the right to coast in these kinds of matches. You know, I have no problem with it at all. Um, the other thing about A block, and then we'll talk B block, unless you have some more points on the A block. No, no, no. Go ahead. The guy I think people or some people are overlooking and shouldn't be is Minoru Suzuki, who is a legitimate wrestler of the year contender right now. I mean, he's in this block and he's having a, a sort of a, I, I hate even to call it a renaissance year because when was he ever bad? But I think there might have been a feeling last year where he was maybe winding it down a little. I mean, we had those conversations. But this year, he's just pre-COVID, post-COVID, killer matches all over the place. And he's the kind of guy who can be 53 years old and have killer matches because his matches aren't built around bumping. His matches are built around aura. Right? And Oh, yeah. If you can't buy I mean, I can close my eyes right now and think of a Minoru Suzuki Shingo match and how much I'm going to love it already. And we just saw it. Yeah, just guys making faces and slapping one another. It's going to be great. Like, yeah, it, it, you know, especially in the G1, especially in the context of, like, yeah, they had the one you know, at Summer Struggle. And, yeah, this, I, I would imagine the follow-up would be the same way. Same thing with Ishii, same thing with Okada. I mean, he had, just two years ago, what was it, G1 with Okada? That was a tremendous match between those two. That was two years ago. I think what what happened was is, is Suzuki did feel, washed is the wrong term, but 2019 felt like, yeah, like he was winding it down, like maybe it was the end, maybe he didn't care as much. And we know that there was the weird contract stuff. Is he going to go to Noah? Is he going to leave New Japan? All that sort of stuff. What's going on? Is he freelance? He's bouncing back and forth. I mean, 2020, he feels like he is re-energized, ready to go. Feels like he knows the spot in the company. And he's back in a G1. And, and the Minoru Suzuki always delivered in G1s. Everybody always delivers in G1s. The G1 fucking rocks. It's great. So, the G1 tells no lies. Yeah, and, and like I think that's that's probably what hurt his last year more than anything is that he didn't have that G1. So it was just kind of like, eh, yeah, yeah, whatever. He just you know had a good ish year and and that was it or no you know he had the royal quest match against okada that was pretty good that was at the end of the g1 you know or, or you know after the g1 and that was a tremendous match it's just he wasn't in the g1 and i think maybe that hurt the perception for a lot of people but yeah you go back two years you go back three years i mean he always delivers in g1 so it's like why wouldn't i think he would do it again of course he is yeah so i mean that's the loaded up a block yeah i guess we should run down the b block I do, I do want to say real quick, I do like that Minoru Suzuki is not with a bunch of, like, the bullshit. I mean, he is with, you know, Taichi and, and, and Yujiro, but, you know, I could see him in the B-Lock for sure if he wanted to take, you know, nights off and do Yano bullshit and do, you know, uh, whatever evil bullshit there's going to be or whatever. But I love the idea that they put Minoru in this A-Block. So that's what, that's, it's the working block. You know, there's, yeah, there's Yujiro, there's Taichi, there's Jay White. They have, like, you know, their own little levels of, of bullshit. But it does feel like you said. B-Block feels like they're going to tell a lot more stories where A-Block feels like dudes are just going to go out there and wrestle each other. So, Well, who's the night off in the A-Block? Because normally it's Fale in the opposite block of Yano. I mean, I guess it's Yujiro, but like you said, there's a lot of work in, in, in delivering it's a match a lot with of Yujiro. Work. But maybe, maybe you say, hey, you know, Yujiro just try to hit me in the nuts and we'll do like – like maybe that's maybe that's the goal that they do with Yujiro is, is, is he does kind of just not even try and they just don't even try in matches with him. Or everybody says, fuck it, let's see what we can do with a Yujiro and, and they go out there and they do it. So Might be Taichi. That's can't true, see, yeah. Can't you see him being shenanigans heavy? Sort of as the uh, de facto night off. 
Um, Jay White is possible, but his matches generally will still have the big closing stretch where you're bumping all over the place. Um, and I think it's kind of played out with Jay White. They've told that story with him, cheating his way through a G1. So I don't know. It might be Taichi. So, you know, Yano and Fale haven't been in the same block like since I saw the stat, but I don't remember it, like 2014 or something. Because that's both of their roles. You know, the, the, the six-minute match for the night. So, um, I don't know. That's interesting. All right, let's move on to the uh, B block here. Uh, we start off with Hiroshi Tanahashi. I believe it, A is for Ace. He has been in the A block for many, many years. I'm going to do some research on that to figure out exactly uh, how long it was. But, yeah, it's been a long time for Hiroshi Tanahashi in the A block. He has now moved over to the B block. And he is with uh, Juice Robinson, Hiroki Goto, Toro Yano, Yoshihashi, Tetsuya Naito, Sonata, Zack Sabre Jr., Kenta, and Evil. So there's a certain type of fan that I could see absolutely loving the B block. And I don't hate the B block. But, like, you talk about Rich Krejci wrestlers, a lot of those are in the A block. When you talk about Rich Krejci wrestlers, eh, not too many of them in the B block. There's, I absolutely see this type of fan who would love the B block. If you're into LIJ, if you're into the LIJ breakup, if you're into, you know, the minutiae of LIJ, I absolutely get the B block interest level. Because you got three of them. You got three of them. There's some interesting, you know, dynamics there. You got Evil versus Nada. You got Evil versus Naito. You have a little bit of Bullet Club stuff there with Kenta versus Naito and Kenta, you know, turn, you know there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of juice on the bone there, storyline-wise. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's good. It's good. I don't mind it. I'm not going to skip over it, but it's definitively like, you know, to me, the wrestlers that I love, the styles that I love, the guys that I'm attracted to in that company, that's the A block. The B block, it's got Hiroshi Tanahashi and Juice, and, and that's cool. But a lot of the other guys, I could, I could, well, Zack Sabre Jr. too, I, I, I do enjoy. But um, I think there I've is seen, a certain type of fan that would love the B block. I just don't know that I'm that fan. So I've seen worse blocks. No, it's not bad. It's really not. You know what helps too is Makabe is off making movies and shit, so you don't have to deal with him in either of these blocks. So that helps a lot too in terms of, um, you know. Because his matches aren't of late in G1. He wasn't even in it last year, though, I don't think. So this is two years in a row with no Makabe. So, you know, the, it feels like Naito is always in the B block. I don't know if that's true or if I'm misremembering. I, I, I just feel like he's always in the B block for whatever reason. But, um, yeah, there's some stuff here. I mean, Tanahashi, um, you know, same conversation we always have. Is this the year where he doesn't have a great G1? It hasn't been true yet. It's a challenging block. He's yeah, not I, in there with the... I honestly think that there's enough. Like, say if he has... Okay, so if he has a good match with, let's say, Juice Robinson. Conservatively. That's yeah. one. I think he could have a good match against Rookie Goto, right? I think anyone could have a good yeah, match. Yeah, exactly. So there's yeah. one, maybe two, if you're going to count the Juice Robinson. Are you counting my Juice Robinson one or no? I mean, that one is... I mean... Okay, we'll count one. We'll just say one. That's fine. We don't need to count that one. Well, Naito is going to have a good match. Yeah, exactly. So Yano... Or <laughs> Goto, not Yano. But yeah, Tanashi Yano match was the best match of the whole G1. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, Tanashi Goto, Tanashi Naito, Tanashi Zack Sabre Jr., and then I guess Tanashi Kenta. And then, you know, if he has those I four. Mean, I'm tired of his matches with Zack. Um, but okay. Kenta. How can you be tired of him? There was only 12 of them last year. <laughs> and this year with all the tags. Yeah. And six-man tags. and God. Um. Kenta, I don't, I don't think that's any kind of lock. 
Remember, this ain't 2009 Kenta Yeah, either. Kenta does suck now, kind of. So I do need to get ready for that. So. Kenta's a particular kind of... Here's the thing with Kenta, and I don't know if you've been watching New Japan Strong. I have, yeah. Okay, he his whole thing, and he says it right in his promos. I'm not out here to ha- to give you the ma- best match on the card. I'm out here to win. His whole gimmick is is like I'm not gonna say not to have great matches, but that's not the story they tell with him. He will cheat and he will give you finishes that make you groan. And we all know physically, and we've had a million conversations about Kenta. He's not the same as he was. I still find some of his matches super interesting, and I think he is a great worker mentally. But there are things he attempts to do physically that just do not work anymore. And I think maybe now he's done even trying those things. Because in la- you remember last year's G1, he tried some shit that was over his head, and it didn't work all the time. I don't know if you recall. I do, yeah, yeah. But like, I think those days are over. I think he's just accepting that he's a grimy heel. Right, with some explosive strikes and who could put together a smart match. So I don't think Kenta Tanahashi is a lock. So really, we're down to like three, and we're counting juice. So this is why I say this could be the year Tanahashi doesn't have a great G one. Last year, I think he had a great G1. He, you know, he put over Will Ospreay, and that was a huge symbolic match. But he's like not in the block this year that's conducive to having a great G1. When you look at the opponents, you know, Evil is going to be very gimmick heavy. But the thing with Evil is it's going to be condensed into 14, 15 minutes instead of 30 minutes, which is why I'm not dreading Evil like I would have if he was still champion. And these were not tournament Yeah, matches. that's true. It's only a waste of 15 minutes as opposed to a waste of a half an hour. So, Well, I just don't think they need to be as um, bullshit heavy anyway. I mean, because some <laughs> They of don't these... need to, but will they? It's a good question. Yeah. I think some of these opponents he'll just put away. Maybe I'm being way, way too optimistic. I think you are, but I, I, I hope you're right. I, God, I hope you're right, but... I mean, why can't he, he just beat Juice Robinson? I mean, I guess that's rhetorical, but... Because we say that, but their whole M.O. with him is just his name is evil and he has to fucking be this way, right? So it's like, are we going to continue presenting evil that way? Because is this still – do they still see this as his introduction to the turn? Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. Because, yeah, what we've seen of him so far is a guy who who is evil, so he always has stick shortcuts, and gets taken to the absolute limit by every one of his opponents and then cheats his way to victory. Every single right. time. And, and if like, we're telling that story with Yoshi fucking Hashi, then like, okay, I don't know if I'm into this. Like, just fucking beat him. You just beat the guy. If you need to cheat to beat, you know, Sonata, I buy that. If you need to cheat to beat Naito, that's fine. If you need to cheat to beat Hiroshi Tanahashi, that's fine. But it'll be really telling if he's in there going 50-50 with Yoshi Hashi and then we got Garot Wires, you know, to, to beat this guy. Then it's like, oh, dude, get out of here. <laughs> fucking geek. That's so, what I mean. Like, guys on that level, he should just beat them. You know? But it's like... We know how deliberate the booking is in this company when they're introducing a new character trait or a turn. Or oh, we talked about it last year. I mean, like the, the worst thing you could do last year was watching every single one of those G1 shows because Jay White, every Jay White match was exactly the same with the exact same run in at the exact same yeah. time. And like, you know, to you, to the viewer, 
it looked terrible, but to the you know live audience, you know, the first time they're popping up in some random town or whatever, you know, the heat was still there every single time because it's like ah oh, boo boo. But like you know, you and I and, and everybody watching the whole G one, we'd seen it like seven times in a row now. We're like, oh my god, like come on, what are we doing? But it wasn't for us really. It was for you know the live audience that that ate it up every single time. As yeah. they were establishing, hey, this guy's a chicken shit. Maybe it's two years ago that I'm thinking of. Whatever time. year that was. Yeah, yeah. But it's like. I don't know what year it is anymore either. Who knows? What exactly. is time? What is time, Joe? Who cares? But, like, that's my that's the big question. If they still feel like evil is in the introductory phase where they have to pound his character work into his matches, we're going to get his bullshit every night. It's just going to be condensed into a shorter package. Except for the. And again, we're working without the cards. It's always interesting to see who gets main events and all that, but we just can't do that because we don't have the cards. But, you know, with the exception of the two or three main events he's going to get, you know, that's why I want to see the cards too. I want to see how many main events that he gets because that will tell you very quickly where they truly see him. Right, because we've been having that argument for a little bit. Some people saying, oh, this is just a way to kind of establish him and now he's back on the way down. Or, you know, you and I have kind of said, no, we think that he's here to stay and this is just, you know, the beginning of his story. So I I don't know. Yeah, it'll be very, very interesting to see. But, yeah, if he's in, you know – six main events or whatever, then it's like, ah, this guy's here to stay. He's a guy. Yeah. Then he's a guy. But if his only main event is like the Naito match, then it's like, oh, well, they, they don't think he's a guy because they're headlining with Tanahashi and, and Naito every night, you know? And so he's still below them, you know, in the, in at least the business pecking order. So that's why I wish we had that to work with, but you know, it's just, it is what it is. And I think the A block, fuck, there's probably two or three potential main events every night based on the lineup. But, um, and I always like to see night one because there's always a big upset. on. Oh night yeah. One oh yeah. To set the tone or to set up a big title match or something. But, um, anything else interesting in terms of B block, you know, so we'll see how they handle evil. Naito obviously is the champ, so we don't expect them to win it. Although one of these years, the champ is going to have to win it. We want to see if Tanahashi can have another great G1 and keep the streak alive. It'll be a challenge with that block for a number of different reasons. Um, uh, is there anything else in terms of uh, interesting analysis to be had with that group? I mean, probably some other <laughs> podcasts might be doing it. I, dude, I don't know. Like, I don't care about the LIJ thing that much. So that that doesn't really. So no, there there really isn't. Like, Juice has no real story, obviously, because he hasn't been around. Goto's Goto. I mean, what the hell's the story with Goto other than that he could maybe, you know, make a run towards it. Yano make, is the same. Can board. we make a trade? Can we make a trade? Are we How moving? Go, are we are we giving Goto to the A block and giving them Yujiro? I won't even be greedy. They could have Taichi. Perfect. That works for me, too. I won't even be greedy. I'll take you. The G will stand for Goto if he was in the fucking A block, but unfortunately he's not. So if you trade Goto for Taichi, is A block the greatest block of all time? Oh, no question. Yeah. I mean, I have to look at the other ones. You know what I mean? But it's like, oh my god! If they would, if Goto would have been in that block, and if as long as you're trading them for Taichi or Yujiro or Cobb. Yeah, you know what? Let's be fair. They can have Cobb. Right. Sorry, you broke up there for a sec. What were you saying? Who who's better at this stage, Taichi? I think they'd rather have Taichi though, right? They I probably would. I yeah, they'd rather I can tell, have Taichi. Though, I can right? tell some more hashtag stories with who, Taichi. Who so, you... at at this stage, 
each of their careers isn't in their careers. Yeah. Delayed response. Yeah, sorry. No, you're, you're breaking up. You're breaking up a little bit there. So, I heard you in, in bits and pieces. I, I think you're back. I don't know what was going on there, but got some streaming or something. Am I back, <laughs> sir? Uh, you're back. Yes. Yes. Hello. Yes, you are. Okay. So what? Okay, I, so I could not for the life of me. I heard one word, and yeah. Well, phrase your question again, so I can give you a, a real good answer. All right. Let's try it again. Don't you think at this stage Taichi is better than Cobb? Or, or do you disagree? <sighs> I don't know what I think about Cobb. So the idea of Jeff Cobb is always, almost always better than the actual execution of Jeff Cobb. But I'm still right. holding out hope that like, and this would be it. This would be the time. This would be the year. I'm not ready to trade him right yet. I, I think that there's something there. And this would be, if he doesn't deliver on this A block, then no. Then then I can definitively say that, that he is nowhere near as good as Taichi. There's just, there, there's that, there's that little sliver of potential that's there, but, but I could, I could absolutely see the argument. I mean, I, I like Taichi. So yeah, I, it, you know, if you want to trade Cobb to the B block, that that's fine too. But I, I, pref, I personally would like to see Cobb against these guys and see if he can deliver. If he can't, then it's official. Okay. You're kind of a dud. You're a guy that's just fine. You, you know what I mean? You're, you're good, but you're not great and move on. And, and, and we know what we have out of him right now. So I would like to keep Jeff Cobb, but I will give you Taichi. Yeah. I would trade Goto for any of them, obviously. Yeah. Um, for any of the three. Um, but yeah, that's the uh, B block. You know, as terms of predictions, I do not have one. I mean, I think that the smart money. I mean, a lot of people think Jay White is winning the tournament. Oh well, here let's let's do our little fun game here. Yeah, you want to do that? Okay, let's do that. Okay, before we do that though, little teaser, little teaser, Joe. Yeah. I got to let you know about something here. Okay. Oh, okay. Are you ready for this? Now I know. I know. I I just did this today. And you, yeah. you do it all the, the fresh haircut. Are you still getting oh, yeah. are you still getting quarantine haircuts or what? Uh no, I let the kids shave my head. Oh boy. <laughs> How's that going? They love it. Do you love it? It's a fun, you know, they have fun with it. And are they, are they getting having... better? Are they getting worse? Are, are they intentionally getting worse? Like what what's what's what are we are like is one of them like serious about it and the other ones are they both are just fucking around and, and drawing zigzags in the back of your head and stuff? No, they make me look bad on purpose. It's it's a game. Like they 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 think it's it's fucking hilarious that they give me like reverse road warrior hawk mohawks. Okay, that's not bad. What what's gonna have you ever told them that this might not always be it, or is this gonna be it forever? You're just gonna do this forever now. No, they are aware of the virus. Okay, it's, so they know that these haircuts are just a temporary thing, and that you know, it's it's sad that these children are three and four years old, and all they know in their life is this virus. Like they think this is normal life. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, like they'll say things like, "Oh, okay, I can't go because of the virus." Like, it's just they're born into this shit. It's crazy. I will send you. Here you go. <laughs> I got the phone in the hand. All right. Incoming. Is this the recent a recent haircut? This is one of the examples of what they do to me. Yeah. So. It's fun. It, it makes for a fun afternoon, and it uh, you know keeps my my hair short. Got some signal problems there. Do you? Yeah. No, I'm saying you do. What's wrong with me? I'm getting text messages left and right. Your I shit. just sent you a text. Message. I'm not seeing it. Don't have it. Refreshing. You give it a second. Jeez. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I got attached a picture. That's gold, man. Come on. 
what's that? how how does that make me an old man to uh, taking you forever here it is all right yeah that's a good you know how many you have any pictures i have in my camera roll i gotta scroll oh that's through? true yeah this is I, I i remember this one i did see this one yeah how long so did you go good. with that haircut then no, like 10 minutes. That oh, I was going to say, I, you got to own it. You got to own it the whole day then, right? No, what they, yeah, what they do is they'll do that to me, and then I sell it. I'll be like, oh, you can't leave me like this, you know? And then they go, yeah, we're leaving you like this. <laughs> you know, it's a game, you know? But then eventually, you know, they, they take it off, or I go take it off. But last time, the the the, the razor, ran, the battery died. <laughs> so oh, I got boy. stuck. Oh, boy. <laughs> I got stuck with the reverse So you were, you were hat lands for uh, a day or so. I just had to charge the fucking yeah yeah so that was uh but they think it's hilarious like they'll shave my head into that like a weird thing like that and then they'll go hide the ra- it's like oh, it's a game you know you gotta have it's fun good. well hey at least they're having fun and, and you get a fun game out of it at, at your expense yeah. which is always the best so yes. um so I just got a fresh haircut today you talk about your fresh haircuts the haircuts that you're having the fun haircuts you're having all that sort of stuff our identity a lot of our identity is wrapped up in our hair and from how it feels after getting a fresh cut, as we said, to the way it's perfectly styled after going out, or the way it's completely botched by your children. Uh, that's why when we get into our 20s and our 30s and we start noticing the first signs of hair loss, it definitely feels like panic time. Because let's face it, no guy is ever ready to go bald. Thankfully, now there's Keeps, the simple and easy way to keep your hair. Two out of three guys will experience some form of male uh, pattern baldness by the time they're 35. The best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while there's still time, while there's still hair left. If you wait till you're bald, you've gone too far, you've gone too late, you gotta do it now. So you used to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription or we talked about it before. The terrible, you know, go to the pharmacy and click the button and someone comes over with the keys and here, is this the, you know, are these the, the hair loss pills that you need, sir? Like, yeah, 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 that's what I need. So, um, that's all gone now because thanks to keeps, you can visit a doctor online and get your hair loss medication delivered right to your home to make it easy and deliver your medication every three months. So you can say goodbye to the doctor, awkward doctor visits, goodbye to the pharmacy checkout lines, goodbye to that stupid button and the stupid keys. All that stuff is gone. And Keeps, they offer generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. You may have tried them before, but you probably never have for this price, the one that Keeps has given you for. So anyway, prevention is key, as we said. Keeps treatments typically take four to six months to see results, so it's important to act fast. So if you start noticing a little bit, now is the time to work at it. Get at it. Don't wait till it's too long because then you've gone too far. you got to do it now. So if you notice some signs, now is the time to do it. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll save. And find out what Keeps has more five-star ratings than any of its competition and more than 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medications. Keeps treatments start at just $10 per month, which is the hell of a steal. Uh, plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month free. First month free again. So to do that... You go to keeps.com slash VOW. That's keeps.com slash VOW. Receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash VOW. If you're ready to take action and prevent your hair loss, do it now at keeps.com slash VOW. Okay. Let's go over a little game. Every year we do this. We do the odds games. So now you're 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 the betting man. We'll, we'll get to that here in a little bit here. You're, you're the betting man. You, you like to make the odds. So, so are you prepared? Do you have them in your mind? Or are you ready? You're just gonna. I'm gonna say a name, and you're gonna think about it off the top of your head. You want me to give you betting odds for betting odds? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're always good at this. So, so for for to the. Well, I mean, I don't know. There was that one site that was taking action on G1 last year, wasn't there? Yes, there was. Hmm. What if they're doing that again? <laughs> we'll have to see. So, so assume the listener is 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 yeah. You know that, that has the potential to you know bet on. Hmm, we got to get my bookie on that. The block and the tournament. 
Uh, so we're gonna we'll we'll do blocks. We'll we'll say okay. I'll read all the A block and you tell me what chance that person has of winning the A block, and then we'll do the B block and you have what chance that person has of winning the B block. Then we'll take your top two odds, people, and then we'll we'll do the whole thing. Is that fair? Okay. Let's do that. So I think one interesting wrinkle, and before you go over your odds, and I think this might be reflected in it as well, is like, and and we talked about it a little bit at the top of the segment, is because of the Tokyo, we don't know what the hell the Tokyo Dome is going to look like at this point. Is there going to be no fans? Is it going to be half full? If for some miraculous reason it's totally full, is it quarter full? Is it third full? We have no fucking clue. And that totally determines. Like, usually it's a lot easier to say, okay, what match can main event the Tokyo Dome? And there's only a few that you could really reasonably say that match can main event a Tokyo Dome. Main event a quarter filled Tokyo Dome? I I don't know. (laughs) Like, right? Like, it really really opens everything up. Yeah, that's why I'm having trouble with trying to work out who I think could win this tournament, because it, if it's not full capacity dome, it really doesn't matter. They're going to sell it out no matter what. And then it becomes the same question that we always have. Do you burn off a huge money match when you don't have to, or do you do another match that you know could sell like 15,000 tickets? So it's tricky. It's very tricky. All right. So let's start out with the A block here. Kota Ibushi, last year's winner. I think to win the block, he's got to be one of the favorites. Two to one. Two to one. Two to one for Kota Ibushi. All right. Uh, Kazuchika Okada. I think Okada's winning the whole tournament. One to two. Wow. I'm not giving okay. You, I'm not giving you great odds on that because I think he's winning the whole okay. tournament. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Jeff Cobb. I would give you... <laughs> I'm not bad Jeff Cobb, so that's... I... Can, do we do we have a cap on this so just to not get silly? Um, Let's say one hundred to one is the absolute. Like this dude has no fucking chance. See, I'd give you better than that. Let's put the cap at a thousand. I'll give you a thousand to one. On Jeff Cobb. <laughs> Jeff Cobb yeah, Kato would have Kato would have really lost his mind if he even decides that Jeff Cobb needs to get the strap and, and go to. to Listen, any, anybody wants that action at a hundred dollars? That's not a bad. I mean, hey, you might as well put fifty on it. You know. I'm saying slip in the DMs. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, he's for not sure. I mean, may, maybe the A block. You know, he might win the. You know, out of a miraculous. Oh my God, what an upset! A block. I mean, you got to take that odds. I mean, a, t- yeah, a thousand to one, dude. I'll give you twenty bucks for that. I'm, I'm not going he, to. I mean, hypothetically, I'm not sending you twenty fucking dollars for Jeff Cobb. I'm saying I, I, it's got to be worth my while. Hundred dollar minimum. Slip in the DMs. <laughs> you got to send me the money up front, and I'll take I don't, that. Is action. this legal? I mean, you're you're doing a competitive bookie. Thing. We're about to. <laughs> This is for entertainment purposes yes, only. thank you, yes. Whereas, asterisk, asterisk. Yes, in the next 15 to yeah. 20 to 30 minutes will not be entertainment, will in fact be what you should do and where you should bet. But wink, wink, nudge, nudge, slide into Joe's DMs and he'll give you, you know. Def- definitely don't send me $100 <laughs> for Jeff Cobb if you think it. Jeff Cobb is going to win the A block. Please don't do that, wink, wink. Yeah. Go ahead. See, my book, you should just run G1. And then we wouldn't have this problem. We could talk about it the whole time. So uh, anyway, this could be a sponsored segment, and it's not. So that's that's them. They play. Yeah. Um, they're too busy betting on sports at <laughs> the NFL. So, you know, you do it your way, guys. We'll do it our way. Anyway, uh, I don't know why we're being so mean to our sponsor, but presented this damn show. Uh, anyway, Tomohiro Ishii. Um, to win the block, I give you 75 to 1. 
I don't think he's winning. He, yeah, he just, it's it's Ishii. I know. We always have like he goes five and four. I mean, yeah, we always like we, we'll do our pick them. We're, we're doing the pick them again this year as well. So details on that, and I get ready to pull my hair. Those out this are year. long ass odds. I probably shouldn't give out. Yeah, I was gonna odds. say I might throw a little bit down on that, but like I but, genuinely don't think he has any chance. No, he he really doesn't, and that's the thing that that always kind of strikes me. It's the same thing as like you know years ago when Kotobushi would be in the G ones and people would you know put him to win fourteen points or whatever. And Ishii every single year people make him at like twelve points or fourteen points and I'm like guys Ishii's not getting 14 points I'm sorry I wish I wish Ishii would beat Okada and Tanahashi and all these guys on the way but he's just not that's not that's not what he does and they don't need he doesn't need to do that either because he's just as over as he you know would be if he won every match so you know I'm gonna go look as stacked as the block is well I'm leaving it 75 to 75 to 1 there you go ballsy uh Will Ospreay now he's not winning the block but (laughs) But the thing about it is odds are about getting even money on both sides and all that. He's the kind of guy people would bet on. I'm going to say 25 to 1. 25 to 1. Hmm. Not bad. What about Shingo Takagi? Same. 25 to 1. 25 to 1. Okay. Yeah. So we got so we got 2 to 1 on Ibushi, 1 to 2 on Okada, right? Those are our two yeah, yeah, yeah. far oh, away favorites favorite. at this point. Okay. Oh, yeah. uh, Minoru Suzuki. Eh, five to one. I was, okay. I was gonna say, don't put him. Don't put him. Put him low. I think there's five. a real. I mean, if you're trying to have like a sleeper coming out of the block, I think Minoru Suzuki's that guy. So, yeah, I like I like that pick a lot. Yeah, uh, Taichi. A uh, hundred to one. Yeah, I was gonna say there's no no chance in hell. Uh, Jay White, interesting wrinkle. Uh, three to one. Three to one on Jay White. Nice. Um, I, you know what? <laughs> I wouldn't give those odds though, because everyone thinks he's gonna win the tournament. So. Um, I'd make it a little lower. I'm gonna go. Uh, we'll put him at two to one as well. Okay, with, that's fair. With, with, yeah. And then we'll go to our final one, Yujiro Takahashi. A thousand to one with Cobb. Yeah. <laughs> put him higher than who has a, who has less of a chance of winning their block? Uh, Yujiro Takahashi or Jeff Cobb? I feel, yeah, I feel like it's Yujiro too. Like I could, I could buy that one day Gato wakes up for some uh, in some fever dream and says, "You know, what, goddamn it, Jeff Cobb's our guy." And everyone's like, "Whoa, whoa, buddy! Like, let's not do that." He's never waking up and saying Yujiro's the guy because somebody like, would say it's Yujiro, and you go, "Yeah, you're right, it's Yujiro." What am I thinking? Yeah, of course not. No, no, no. Sorry. Well, you could win the block as the Goto kind of deal where you're putting over the guy who wins the other block, and they don't want to burn a match. Yujiro would never be that guy, ever. They would never do that with Yujiro. He'd have to look at all the people he'd have to beat to win the block. Look at that block. Like he's not beating all. That's why. <laughs> that's why Ishii. It looks like I'm crazy. No, like, no, but yeah. I mean, when we talk about Abushi, Okada, Minoru Suzuki, and Jay White ahead of him, I mean, yeah, of course, those are he's all. He's not going to win any of those matches. He's going to lose all four. Yeah. 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 So it's like, but but if he were in the B block, I'd give him much lower odds. You know what I mean? Because he could be the guy to come out of a block, potentially, and then lose a final. But I don't think he can come out of that A block. I mean, there's no betting site on earth that's going to give you 75-1 to 1 on Ishii. But I, but I genuinely think those are his real chances. So that's why I went so high on him. But on a, in a real bet – look, on, a real, on an, actual, an actual bookie, if you find a site that's taking action, I guarantee you he's like 12-1 to 1 or something. All right, let's go to the uh, B block here. So, so obviously we have Okada coming out of the the A block. Is, yeah, I think he's winning the whole tour. Is, is your low? Is your okay? So we got that. Uh, then we have the B block here. So we'll start with Hiroshi Tanahashi. 
see, three to one. He's a tough one. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. He's a tough one. Yeah, three to one. Uh, Juice Robinson. You know, I don't even know who I like out of this. Block. I know it's a, it's a wide open block, man. I, there's like five people that I think could could easily win this block. I reserve the right to change my, my mind when I'm done. Sure. Um, Juice, I'm gonna say a hundred to one. Uh, Hiroki Goto. Uh, always a chance. Seven to one. Yeah, always a chance with Goto. Uh, Toru Yano, that's 15,000 to one. He's, yeah, he's yeah, 20,000 um, to for, one. What I say for Juice? Uh, he's, you said 100 to one for Juice, but I think he's 1,000 to one. I think, I think Yano's 1,000 guy, 1,000 to yeah, one. Yeah, he, he has zero chance. I, I, I give and you 50,000 to one odds on Toru Yano, so. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> in the richest DMs, and you can get 50,000 to one on Toru Yano. Uh, Yoshihashi. If someone sent you a dollar, would you take it no, on that play? Because I don't think I could pay him back. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not that confident that he has zero. No, I'm not that confident because I literally could not pay that man. So, um, yeah, I'm not, okay, not going to Fair enough. It, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Yoshihashi. Oh, 1,000 to 1. Yeah, he's no chance at all. I'm not taking, I'm not taking the 50,000 to 1 on, on Yoshihashi. You never know. Uh, Tetsuya Naito. Tetsuya Naito, uh, three to one. Okay, so he's he's, he's dead even champ, with Tanahashi so then, right? I might move Tanahashi down, but Tana, but Naito's the champ. He can't be any lower than three to one, but he can't really like. But this is for the block, though, right? So it's like I guess he could win the block. Now nah, I'm going to leave it at three to one. Okay. Um. T- uh, so we had Naito uh, Sonata. I got no feel for Sonata, right? I don't think we've mentioned his Eight name once. What yeah. a dud. I haven't mentioned his name one time this entire tournament. Is there he anybody that's... Trendy, he was a trendy pick last year because he had really good odds. Yeah. Um, Eight to one. Watch him win this whole thing, though. Fucking yeah. dud. Yeah, I mean... And we, I mean, it's not the worst story in the world to tell, but, like... Ugh. <sighs> Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, he's not winning the block. Um... He should really be lower, but I'm going to say like 12 to 1. Yeah, I was going to do like 15. Right. I, in my mind, I was thinking 15, 20, somewhere in there. But yeah, just just to keep it, just in case. But yeah, you, you got to give him some level of respect because it is just for the block and it's not for the whole thing. But yeah. Uh, Kenta. Same thing. Um, somewhere in that range. I'll say 10 to 1. That's the man. Came out Wrestle Kingdom. Shocked the world at Wrestle Kingdom. You're putting him down That's to right. 12 to 1? 10 to 1. 10 to 1. 10 to 1. Okay. The final uh, one we have here is Evil. Yeah, I put him at uh, so I've got Tanahashi and Naito at three to one, right? Um, let's put Evil at two to one, which means I'm telling you it's an Okada Evil final, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I could see. Hey, would they do Tanahashi Okada in a? Since they've done the match a million times, why not do it limited fan? Yeah, I don't see why you you, you could try that. I don't hate it. As a G1 final, that'd be something, that'd be a new wrinkle, too. Let's talk ourselves into that. I've always, I do, I talk myself into that uh, yearly, is is, is doing like some sort of Okada Tanahashi uh, thing. They did it last year at the first night of the G1, uh, but I like the idea of it being a G1 final. Yeah. Trying to shake, you know, get Okada excited again and get him energized again. Tell him he's going to face Tanashi in the finals. That you know, yeah, I like it. I I, I like it. Yeah, I, I prefer that honestly. But um, there's a lot of people who think Tanahashi's going to win the tournament. 
Yeah, I mean, there's really like honestly, deep down, like if 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 I was naming guys with the possibility of doing it, just just not even odds, just like what if if you sold me that this man could win the tournament, would I believe it? Start Abushi, yes. Okada, yes. Minoru Suzuki, no, I don't think no. Jay White. So out of the out of the A block, I think there's three guys there. Yeah. Abushi, Okada, and Jay White, I think it all very easily, if you sold me on them winning the tournament, I would say yes, you're right. The thing is, I'm highly skeptical Abushi can win two years in a row. Oh, I, I agree too, but if you wanted to sell me on the fact of it, I would say, yeah, sure. Because who you the fuck sell knows? Me on it. it's, it's, it's Tokyo Dome, who cares? You know, who knows what this year's Tokyo Dome's going to be? You could sell me on it, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, B-Block, Tanahashi, you Naito. You could sell me on that, yeah. Yeah, you could sell me Naito, yeah. Sonata. I don't know. If I don't love it, me. but you know, Sonata. A whole tournament. Look, nah, not my pick. <laughs> it's not my pick. I don't want it. Uh, and then evil. I think you can sell me on all those guys. For me, I I would remove Sonata for me personally. I I cannot buy the idea of Sonata winning it. I cannot. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards... It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You get a display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network
What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell, all three-in-one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. The Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required, keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2k clear sight see who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, one second doors unlocked much much easier so if you want to jump on board with eufy video lock search eufy video lock that is e u f y video lock again that's eufy video lock e u f y video lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door um but yeah, the other three, yeah. All right. So, anything else uh, there for the G one? Are we uh, we ready to move on? You have a pick or what? Oh man, my pick. I think my final pick would be. Hmm. I think my pick's gonna be Jay White to win it. Yeah, I think Jay White to win it. I, I like. I want to pick. I'd rather Okada. I think I like the story of Okada a little bit better. Like that idea of him, you know, the redemption, him getting back, him doing all this sort of stuff. But I do think that Jay White probably has, um, just seems like an interesting story to tell. And, and I do think that the, the, the wrinkle of, and, and God only knows if this is the year they're going to do it. I kind of predict it every single year. And at this point, I'm not going to predict it. But Jay White is a decent guy, too, if you want to have him lose it along the way. Lose the briefcase along the way, I think. Is, is, yeah, because like Okada, I don't want him losing the briefcase. I don't want any. But Jay, if Jay White loses the briefcase, I think he's kind of Teflon at that point. And that's kind of his character. He's kind of a chicken shit, so I, I don't know if I would mind that too much. So, yeah, I think I'm picking Jay White, but I... I man. Yeah, it's Jay White. I'll, I'll make my definitive pick as Jay White. 
I'm just ignoring COVID because I'm just like that makes it so hard. But I think like the the best match to fill the dome is Okada and Naito. I mean, I know some people will think that's boring, but you know how my mind works. It's always business first. I think I think there's money in that doing that match again with the other guy as champion, right? So I mean, that's so I'm just gonna stick with that. I'm gonna assume that they just that that was the plan. And they're sticking with their plan. So I'm picking Okada. And I guess I'll pick him over Evil. Because he's because Evil beat him in the New Japan Cup. Right, right, right. So I'll I'll take Okada getting that one back in the uh I I like I'm not fired up about that idea, believe me. But I think evil's just a reality we have to live with. So Man, we we started off excited about all this. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. You know the Champion Carnival and the N1 start this week too. Yeah, you got a busy little uh, busy little schedule coming up here. Well, the Champion Carnival starts this week. The N1 starts on the 18th. We could talk about that next week. The Carnival starts on Saturday. And the trendy pick is Jake Lee. That would suck. I'm I'm done yeah, with Jake Lee. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done with Jake Lee. Look, Kento Miyahara should win, and he should win the title. I mean, why are we playing these games with these other guys that are never getting over? You know what I mean? Like, Miyahara hasn't they, – they've kept him out of the title picture for a long time now. He's clearly their biggest star. Just have him win the fucking carnival and beat this geek for the title when it's over. That's all. Easy peasy. That's what I would do. That's what Joe Lanz is doing. Because he's still the only star. Mm-hmm. Jake Lee is not going to happen. And unfortunately, Nomura with the neck. Okay? But he's, he's not there. What do you want? What are you going to do? So, um, I mean, that's what I would do as far as the champion carnival. I guess we should spend five minutes on it. Let me... Uh, you got the blocks here, or um, hold on, let me see if I can get them real quick. Real quick. Yeah, if, if you can, yeah. And um, so, Champion Carnival 2020, the Champion Carnival and the N1 are both uh, very pared down. There's only six Champion Carnival shows total. So, um, and the N1, there's only eight total shows. Because the blocks are are really pared down. Here is the champion carnival. There is five men in each block. Uh, Rich, the A block is Suwama, Zeus, Jake Lee, Kuma Arashi, and Jiro. <laughs> the B block is Kento Miyahara, Suji Ishikawa, Yuma Aoyagi, Satoru Oshino, Ashino, and Yoshitatsu. Uh, the B block's the better block in terms of potential matches. For I, li- sure. I honestly like both a lot, to be honest. You know, looking at this, I, I like the pared down field a little bit because there is really no filler other than, you know, Jiro, you could say. And, and, and you know, I'm not a big fan of Yoshitatsu, but I know he's been, you know, a little bit better. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, you look at the roster, it's a pretty, I mean, there, there's a lot of potential for some really, really good matches. I, I'm with you, though. The B block definitely because I'm kind of, eh, I'm iffy on Suwama. I'm sort of iffy on Zeus. Um, but you know the bottom end of that A block is is, is pretty awesome with Arashi and, and and you know I guess Jake Lee hopefully maybe kind I think of Arashi, but... big Arashi guy huh yeah um, I like yeah I like I like the look 
Like the field. I mean, here's the, here's the thing with the A block. I think Jake Lee could have good matches. I like Zeus. Jiro sucks. Yeah. And a lot of people are finally turning on Jiro, and I think that's a good thing because he's – I have no faith that um, – he just doesn't belong in All Japan. It's just not a good fit. Suwama is like – I don't know. I'm never excited about Suwama. That doesn't mean he doesn't always deliver because sometimes he does. But do you look at Suwama versus Jiro on paper, for example, and think – you know what I mean? Like I know he could have a good match with Zeus and Jake Lee. Arashi, I'm not as high as you are. He's fine. He's going to go 0-4. He might, beat, he might beat Jiro. But the B block between Kento, Aoyagi, and Ashino, they're all rock solid. Ishikawa has shown signs of decline this year. He's been good in tags and shaky in singles. But against these guys, I think I, I got to give the big dog his respect. And Yoshitatsu, I think, against these opponents can be Yeah, good. it's going to be hard for Yoshitatsu not to have a good match with Kento Miyahara and with, uh, you know, with Ashino. And, and, and yeah, so I'm with you on that one. Aoyagi is, is, is pretty awesome, too. So, yeah, I think the B-block, other than, like, yeah, because Ishikawa is probably the one guy that I look at and go, uh, yeah, but, like, you would hope that he goes, ah, oh, fuck, I'm in here with, you know, these top, top-tier guys. Let, let, you know, let me do it. So um, I mean, would it stun anyone if he has, like, a renaissance tournament? And I mean, no. I mean, he can't go out no, there and have three not. or four good matches. I mean, he's still Suji Ishikawa. And he's the fucking booker, and he keeps pushing himself. So he's going to, like... <laughs> yeah, can we tell that's kind of bullshit. I mean, <laughs> so it's like... I, I appreciate the old-schoolness of it, but, like, dude, like, what are you doing? Yeah. But, I mean, so that's the pared-down champion carnival that starts on saturday see this isn't as daunting as you think it is to do all three like i know i'm working that up as the gimmick uh patreon.com slash voices of wrestling it's daunting how daunting is it pay joe five dollars to find out so not just the g1 this year everybody loves the daily g1 coverage i feel like i do a nice job with that so i'm expanding it since all the tournaments are happening at once i'm just gonna do all three um so champion carnival look it's only six shows and here's the thing too three of the carnival shows happen before any of the G1 shows happen. So the carnival is going to be half over before the G1 even starts. You, you see what I mean? Like right, it's right, really, right. it's not that bad. Now there's a couple of hairy days, September 20th, which also happens to be my birthday. I am somehow going to have to watch <laughs> all three tournaments. Cause they're all running shows that day and do all the birthday shit. Uh, you know, whatever TLB has got planned. And do audio for all three shows. Rich, that's a tricky day. Okay. It's going to be a long one. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other tricky day is the 23rd, G1 Night 3. That's going to be just a tricky personal day, like you're saying. Because, like, the TLBs can be like, come on, Joe, let's go do it. And you're like, I got to talk about the N1. <laughs> like, I got to do three audio shows. <laughs> right. It's not even, like, just the daunting task of watching all those, recording all those, but doing it while you're, you're, you know, your beautiful wife is trying to do something for your birthday. Oh, and oh, by the way, it's an NFL Sunday and the Rams are playing. Oh, God. Well, maybe, you could, maybe you could try to parlay that into you know, a combination. Like... Hey, listen, maybe Captain Krejci could do the G1 that day. You That's jumped true. in on certain Yes, yeah, I could do so that. Who knows? We'll figure it out. Yeah, do all three. I could do all three. I'm hardcore. So Maybe you could do all three that We'll figure it out. Um, I should not have now, promised that. We'll definitely do the G1. You offered. Though, you you just offered. Um, the 23rd is another tricky one. That's a Wednesday. And it's G1 Night 3, N1 Night 4, N1 Night 5, double header. And that's the that's the show that they're doing on Fight TV for the N1. Because remember, one of those N1 shows is airing on Fight TV. Uh, so there's three shows. There's an English day. commentary, too. Who's, uh, 
who's on the call again? Isn't it Sonny Ono and somebody I've never heard of? Sonny Ono and, uh, man, I forget the guy's name. Hold on, i get it for you right Probably now. Probably not good, right, that we've never heard of it. So. Um, I'm going to get his name right now. The guy doing the N1 show with Sonny Ono. His name is Rob Hockman. Hmm. I got a little scoop for right, you. Rob. <laughs> Hi, Rob. <laughs> I'm not saying – all I'm saying is there's – how can I phrase this? Because I know they don't want it out there because it's going to – well, maybe I shouldn't say anything. But the um, – that N1 show might be available in more places than Fight. Let me just put it that way. Interesting. Okay. Is that fair to say? That's I don't even fair. think you know this. I don't even know I don't this. Yeah, I don't even know what you're talking about. So, okay. Yeah, I'll tell you later. But um, it's it, the problem is it's not a good lineup. That's like a really weak it's a weird, Yeah, it's a weird one that they picked. But, I mean, I'm sure they didn't have any idea, and they just picked whatever they had an opening for. Just said, yeah, give us this one. <laughs> you know, give us night, whatever. And I'm sure Noah thinks that all their cards are good. Sure. So it's not like they're like, oh, this is a shitty card. But it is a shitty card. It's not a good N1 lineup. Um, yeah, but that's the carnival. And like I said, by the 15th, Rich, by Tuesday, the carnival's half over. And, no- and neither of the other tournaments will have started yet. Okay, so that's not too bad, actually, then. Yeah, because you know, because yeah, in my three, in my brain, it's like all three are running at the exact same time, and every night you have to watch three of these. Then, but yeah, it's not that's not too daunting. Then it's 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 still nuts. You're absolutely fucking nuts for doing this. But there's two days with three shows, and there's three other days with two shows. But two of those days are finals, the carnival final and the N one final. So those might even get punted to the flagship. You see what you see what I mean? Like, I might not do pay audio for the Champion Carnival final and the N1 final because we might do that here. So even those days with double shows right, 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 might end up being just a single show. And then, of course, I never do the G1 final behind the paywall because we always do that here. It, it Honestly, looking at it, honest to God, it really doesn't look that it's not as bad as it looks. I have it all in front of me. It's really not that bad. Well, and sometimes it's better. Like I, I find that it's better if you kind of say, Hey, you know, I have to watch this because it, 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 we always talk about it all the time. Like, you know, us wanting to do instant reactions after WWE pay-per-views is it's like the best way to watch. Cause you're like, you know what? Look, if, if I want to cover this, I'm going to watch all these and the tournament's going to be long or whatever. I got to watch a lot of these live. Cause trying to catch up and I do that during G1 season. Unfortunately, I try to like, you know, or in past years I've, you know, skipped a day and said, okay, I'll, you skip a day, man. You're so far behind at that point. You're trying to be a completist. And for the purposes of this show, we kind of have to be completist. We have to watch almost everything we can or, or watch every single match uh, that we can. Cause you know, it's our, our, our job <laughs> we're doing here. And so that it does become really daunting. So sometimes it is better to say, you know what? I need to watch all these because I have to do a show about them. You, you know what I mean? Like that I tend to tend, you know, I tend to kind of think that that's a better idea, honestly, even if it sounds on paper, like it's, it's terrible. Cause you're going to watch this shit anyway. You may as well just, you know, watch in real time you might actually end up watching you know because because you know the, the, nothing worse than like a day where you sit down and from fucking 8 a.m until 5 p.m you're watching you know n1 matches from the last three weeks you, you know it's like that kind of stinks to do it that way so it just helps you keep up yeah you'll have a better fl- feel for the tournament you'll have a better feel for the booking you'll, you'll be able to be in the conversation a little bit more so yeah and, and people should listen to those too patreon.com uh, slash voice of wrestling so you can be in the conversation and follow along as it's going on five dollar tier there'll be shows from september 12th till october 17th Damn. there's only there's only three stretches of three days in a row otherwise there's always a day off in between every other day i really thought it was going to be more packed than it was too but it really it's yeah, well, not. that's good that's that's good well if this was a normal carnival and n1 
it it would be kind of insane to attempt it. But it's not a normal carnival in N one. They're five man blocks. So um and, and look, some of those N one shows aren't gonna have many matches on them because they're spreading them out to eight shows. I don't know. It's it's really not that bad. But um that'll start Saturday. That starts in two days. Oh man, we're off off and running. Let's with go. the carnival. Three days of the car tw- Saturday and Sunday is the carnival. And then two, they take Monday off, and then Tuesday is a car, day three of the carnival. So it'll be half over by Tuesday. So get in now. It's only the $5 tier. It's not the $10 tier because it's not live. Okay? And you get the carnival coverage those first three days. Then the N1 starts on Friday, and, of course, the G1 starts on the 19th on Saturday. Saturday and Sunday will be the G1. Next Saturday and Sunday. 20th. The hell day. Some in between, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh, wow, yeah. I didn't realize it was this quick. Yeah. And then you uh, uh, got my new Series 2 Grade 1, looking at uh, past G1s. That's also yeah. on the $5 tier. All the other stuff we do on the $5 tier. So that's a great value. $10 yeah. tier is better, though. I wish everybody would just go to the $10 tier. Just do 10 You don't miss anything. Exactly. You don't have to worry about it. Tell all your friends. Tell their friends. Tell their friends. We're good. $10 tier. So anyway, uh, so that kicks off. Man, that kicks off Saturday already. That's awesome. Let's go. Yeah. We're ready. Wrestling, Carnival. baby. It's back. Like, let's Carnival, yeah. Know. All right, Rich, before we get to our next topic, it's summertime. Is it still summertime, Rich? Uh, you know, it's going to be like 80 tomorrow or, or later in the week. So, yeah, sort of. Yeah. What's it by you? What's the temperature by you? Oh, it's like fucking 98. Yeah, it's summertime then. Boom. There you go. Uh, it's summertime. And in my bookie, that can only mean one thing. It's winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. And my bookie. Winning season is all about your chance to win big. Bet NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, NFL. The craziest sports summer of your lifetime is here. It's simple. Make your picks. Win big. Collect your cash. Invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of future bets. They have future bets, Rich. Or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. That can be addictive. Put that big brain of yours to good use. The promo code is VOW and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. Here's the deal. New customers receive 100% deposit match, which means you double your deposit. Up to $1,000. That means, Rich, if you put $100 in, they're giving you an extra $100 to play with, and they will match that money up to $1,000. I don't know why everybody's not going to mybookie.ag and using promo code VOW and getting free money. They're doubling your money, and then that's what they call in the biz, Rich, a free roll when you can bet with somebody else's money. Yeah, so. absolutely. And today would have been a great day to do it. I mean, obviously you're listening to this. So if you haven't jumped on today, that, that's fine. But like, think about it. They say the multi-sports parlay. I think you could have honestly parlayed, what, five different sports at once? You could. That would have been awesome. <laughs> I did. But parlays add up. I should have. I've been doing, I've been dabbling a little bit and, and, you know, doing a little bit of MLB and NBA at the same time. That's kind of fun to, you know, be flipping back and forth watching, you know. Rich, are you ready for the week one Lanza lock of the week? Oh, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, why not? We got my book as a sponsor for the next 12 weeks. Let's go. I've got the Stone Cold Lanza Lock of the Week. What's your So what's your gimmick? What do you have? Like, so it's all, is it a giant lock or? It's the, you make a lock sound. Yeah, like okay. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. 
It's too late for anyone to take advantage of the Stone Cold Lancelot. <laughs> well, Jesus Christ, your Lancelot of the Week is a game that's half over? Ties into the read, though. Okay. okay? Be patient. The Stone Cold Lancelot of the Week is the Kansas City Chiefs plus 54 points against the Houston Texans on Thursday Night Football. You're probably saying, Rich, plus 54 points? Why are the Super Bowl champions getting 54 points at home against Houston? You're probably saying that, right, Rich? I am definitely saying that. Yeah, what are you talking about? Well, if people would have signed up at my bookie with code VOW, they would have seen that all week long my bookie was offering basically what amounts to free money. They had a special promo bet where you can get the Chiefs plus 54. Whoa. <laughs> Damn. Can you believe that? What was I doing? Fuck. <laughs> you bet your ass Joe Lanza put the maximum $50 bet on the Kansas City Chiefs plus 54 at home against the Houston Texans. And that's another reason why you should sign up to my bookie because every now and then they throw you a bone and you get one of those promotional bets. It's a legal official bet. You could have had the Kansas City yeah. Chiefs plus 54 points. Now they cap you at 50 bucks. But Rich, let's that's face fine. it. I'll take it. Yeah. That is a free $50. So not only are they doubling your deposit with code VOW, you can get in there and take advantage. Now you got to check out the site every now and then to make sure you don't miss them. But they were offering Chiefs plus 54 all week long. Where else are you going to get that, Rich? You think you're going to get that with your guy down at the corner? You think he's going to give you Chiefs plus 54? Let me tell you something. As someone who was the guy down at the corner. <laughs> They're not. Yeah. I'm not giving you. Yeah. Well, not me. Uh, a uh, guy you knew. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Lanza. Jim Lanza. Yeah. Yes. But as someone who knows a lot about the guy down at the corner from a past life. You're never getting that kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, kind of wacky spread from the guy down at the corner. But where you do get that is mybookie.ag, code VOW. All right, let's briefly touch on Miro here. So uh, Miro is all elite. The uh, former Rusev is, is is all elite. He made his debut as the best man, Kip Sabian's best man uh, on Dynamite. You talked about it extensively on the uh, T- uh, Thursday TV reviews. I think I kind of echo a lot of your thoughts and maybe in, in some ways the same as you and in some ways a little bit different uh, as well. I was initially taken back as you were by what he was wearing. And we've been told, oh, it's it's a Gucci shirt. It's a $600 shirt. And oh, those pants are, that's what people wear. And it's like, I, I am fine being the old man. I am fine being the somebody that doesn't know anything about fashion. But it's a bad first look. I did not like the first look of Miro. And the big reason why and it's not about how much the shirt cost or what brand the shirt is, is that it immediately pegged him as being, as we said, like the old divorced dad hanging out at a club, the guy who sells mixtapes outside of a concert venue, the guy who's selling you cell phone accessories. Okay, hold on. The nurses ran in here. Okay, you want to see the shirt? Yes. I heard Gucci. Okay, let's let's see. Okay, so Joe and I did not. Joe, your official stance is that you did not don't like the shirt. It looks like pajamas. <laughs> my official okay. stance is that a lot deeper than that because Joe doesn't like it. That's fine. I don't like it either, and I'm not high fashion either. Okay. So it's definitely high fashion. Hold on a second. How does she know what I wear in any context? Yeah, how do you know what Joe Lanza wears? I. I, don't, I mean, he usually right. doesn't wear pants while he's doing yeah, the show. I so. mean, I know enough to know better. Oh, you, oh, she does. He's never seen me. How does she know? How I dress? How does she know what's in my closet? She has no clue what's in my closet. <laughs> I wear. I could wear tailored suits for all she knows. I do wear tailored suits. Now, 
But that's not neither here nor there. See, my, my take was far more nuanced than simply his clothes. But the clothes were part of it. Right, yeah. That, that's the part that, I, that's got the nurse interested. So let's, yeah, okay. I just let's, want to see the clothes. Let's see the clothes here. Okay. I just want to see what you guys are hating on. This isn't even, let's Oh, God. Where is it on their damn social media? Seriously? Okay. I'll find You're it. Gucci. I know. It's ahead. not even about. It's not even about that. <laughs> it's okay. not even about. What about the pants? Are the pants the Gucci too? I don't know what they are. Uh, yes. Okay. They're, Joe's they're right. Gucci they look and they like, look like pajamas. Like pants. You're right. So I was going to yes, give you do. shit because I have a new manager and he's a very nice dresser, wears like Louis Vuitton to work every day. And it looks like really nice. This does not. I don't think he would approve of this. Can you please ask Michelle? Okay. If he looks She's, like she can he hear. I, I gave her part of the headphones. I gave her part of the headphones so she could talk to her in okay. real time. All right, great. I said in real time he looked like he just rolled out of bed. I don't care what the yes. stuff costs. I only care what it looks he, like. It looks Does like he look he like, did... like he rolled out of bed? Yes. A fucking $50,000 bed swear on with the show? Egyptian are you kidding? sheets. You oh, wait, so... No, yeah. No, I'm like, kidding. What? Of course. God, you've heard me. Okay. Jesus. I was like, yes, he's he rolled out of a bed that costs more than your home and Egyptian sheets that cost like $3,000. But like, yes, he did, did, he did just roll out of bed. He looks like he just rolled out of bed. I mean, a California it, 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 king bed. <laughs> a big bed. Okay. With a beautiful woman. With yeah. a beautiful lady. Okay. Can I make another point, too? Because sure. Yes, I love bringing you. Up. Okay. All right. I'm not even doing the show anymore. Okay. You just... <laughs> Everyone's bringing up the price of the shirt. It's a $650 Mickey Mouse t-shirt. Okay. Yes. Can I bring up another? And they're all hey, acting baby, like. You want to live in the capitalistic society. All right. Here you are. This is what you fucking got. <laughs> it's this idea that because the shirt costs $650. I have to accept. You have to respect it, Joe, it Joe as a shirt. Like yeah. a birdie bro now. <laughs> you want birdie no, he's, bro? Yeah, he's Yang Gang oh, since Yang day Yang. one. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, I can, I can get on that. You, um, you, you, but it's like, I don't care how much it costs. He's saying that if it's a dumb shirt, I don't give a shit if it costs $10,000 or a dollar. Couldn't care less. It doesn't matter to me because it has nothing to do with whether he comes across as a star on TV or comes across as a guy who doesn't look like he this should is Rusev, be wearing. By the way. Remember Rusev? Oh, yeah, okay. interesting. Okay, so yeah. Um, first of all, he's Eastern European. Of course he loves Gucci because it's tacky and it looks like shit. <laughs> That's not what I said. That's not what I said. That's what I said. <laughs> you know, I think, his... I think he's pulling off the pajama looking pants a little more than some people would. I mean, would I buy them? No, but he's pulling them off for what they are. Um, does it go with the character? Like, what's the character? That's a great question. Ah, that's our next character. discussion. That's our next discussion. Essence of the point, isn't it? Okay. So, also, not a fan of the blonde hair, like, black beard thing. Yes, yeah. Definitely not a fan of that. Awful hair. Kind of has, like, a stand from a... He looks a lot, like, more fit than when he used to be Russo. Yeah, he's... Well, you, you, last time you saw him, he was a big chubbo, but now yeah, he's, he's gotten he's himself like, nice and he's tight. He's, like, ripped now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He got right. He got tight. Yeah, he's he's good. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. Lana wasn't doing him any favors, huh? (laughs) No, she's still is. Oh, Oh, here's the thing. It doesn't help that the shirt fits like a tent. It's hiding his. Yeah, I I need to show you. Yeah, the shirt is. We should have a tighter shirt. You're right, Joe. Same shirt, two sizes smaller. Exactly. (laughs) Roll the sleeves up. Then we're talking. Suns out. Guns out. Suns out, guns right. out. Yeah, he's a pro wrestler. You're supposed to enhance like, your features. If we had the same pants, but a more tapered, fitted jogger instead of baggy, he looks, he looks like a slob. I, I don't care you. how much it costs. 
All right, I see what you're saying. I get it. Just that he looks like a guy who sells cell phone accessories at the mall. He does very <laughs> much so that look that way. Yes, I would agree with that. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't say you were wrong. Point. Everyone keeps saying the shirt's six hundred and fifty dollars. Can we stop acting like that's a million dollars? That's it's true. not like it's like I think it got taken. That... I think it got taken because I think he's an idiot for buying that shirt for six hundred dollars. <laughs> but okay, I'm not even that impressed with the price. It's yeah, not he, like it's not like it. It's Gucci. It, it should be like a grand. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, like that's clear. Like $650, that's clearance Gucci shit. (laughs) I mean, I, you know, look, I'm not, I probably shouldn't say that. What I was going to say was, I got got suits more, way more than that in a closet. I mean, it's not that, it's not that impressive to be wearing a $600 shirt. That's the other thing, especially when it looks like shit. When you're supposed to be an intimidating pro wrestler, you're wearing a Mickey Mouse shirt. He looks like um, and and like the long hair don't care vibe is already taken by Orange Cassidy, so you can't play that game. Yeah, I don't know. I well, you know. Well, thank you for your help, nurse. Because yeah, I, think... I gotta go eat like some taco dip and shit. So. <laughs> Let, and let's keep right. and let's keep in mind that she wanted to bury us, but she ended up agreeing. Yes. Yeah, you're yes. right. I came to bury <laughs> you, and here I am digging you out. Tremendous segment. There you I go. Thank it. you. Enjoy your taco dip. <laughs> Thank you. It's really good. Is it good? That's that's all that matters. So, all right, there we go. So you said it. It wasn't even me. You can't even say, "Oh, Rich, he's just an old dumb white guy. He doesn't know anything." Yeah, no. An old dumb white girl just told you that. It's yeah. true. Yeah. I'm old and dumb and white, but I'm a female. Damn right. <laughs> High you know, fashion. You know, the the point I tried to stress. Okay, behind... what are you doing? Get out of here. From Target, so yeah. So she would know, yeah. It's a good point. Doesn't buy all of her clothes from Target. Don't let her, don't let her fool you there. Oh, Rich would know. He's running that checkbook over there. <laughs> yeah, like, trust me. Trust me. Yeah, it ain't all Target. Um, I'll tell you that. Listen, as I tried to stress behind the paywall, it's not even about the outfit necessarily. Because Rich, okay, did you listen to the the paywall audio? I hope you didn't. I did not. No, I actually did not. Can I make this point? To, like, Not because I was an asshole. You released it like 10 minutes before we started the no, show. No, I know, I know. So, yeah, yeah, okay. No, no, I'm glad you didn't because this is like a fresh point that you can hear for the first time. It's not even about those particular garments. It's not even about what he was wearing. It's that he was wearing it. Let me ask you this. If Ricky Starks or, Te- or like uh, um, a Jack Evans or Private Party or somebody like Teddy Hart, was wearing the exact same outfit. Would we even be having this conversation? Oh God, no, 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 no. And why not. is that? Because it fits their aura. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Well, like, and that's, that's you know the, that's I, the problem here. Not necessarily right. the outfit itself. It doesn't fit what got him over in pro wrestling to begin with. That's the problem here. You know, it's like Ric Flair would have never gotten over as one half of the Road Warriors. That's not his aura. Stan Hansen would have never gotten over as the Nature Boy. And this is all wrong for, for Rusev slash Miro. This same outfit could work for a hundred different wrestlers. Sure, absolutely. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to, and, and, and this is you know where you and I might differ from people that say, no, it's great, it's cool, I like it, it's $600, it's Gucci, you're old, you don't know what's nice, is like, okay, at the end of the day, if you are totally fine with Miro being Twitch streamer guy that's here to hang out and have fun, then you might not mind that he was wearing a Disney Mickey Mouse Gucci t-shirt. And pajama pants that had Mickey Mouse on it. Then, okay, if he's Twitch guy that's here to have fun, okay, that's fine. I don't want Miro to be Twitch guy that's here to have fun. I'm not signing Miro. Uh, Miro is an you know, hashtag all lead if he's going to be Twitch streamer guy that's just here to have fun. 
Well, that's not what I want out of him. I think that's a gross misuse of, of, of his talent, his skill, his look, and what he can bring to the table. So if that's the goal, if the, if the goal was we want to create a character that's Twitch streamer guy that's here to hang out and have fun, then mission accomplished. But I think that fucking sucks. That's right. Rusev Machka is what got the man over. Another good point by the nurse. Um, no, I completely agree. I think that if he wants to be Twitch streamer guy who, uh, you know, is... Which is he might, be- because that was the... Fuck, that was the whole... Half of his promo was about how That's he's right. on Twitch, and then the other half was, I'm here to brass brass rings and all that. It was the, the promo, too, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a sec. The promo, too, really had me worried, because half of it was serious guy that's ready to go kick ass and then he would smile and kind of hug and laugh and look at the crowd and and I'm like what 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 are you what are you supposed to be what what am I am I cuz at the end of the day you look like Twitch streamer guy Excalibur goes oh that's 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 Miro he's big on Twitch and then he hugs Kip Sabian. They go, yeah, they're both on Twitch. And I'm like, oh, my it's God. It's concerning. Because <laughs> like, the annou- oh, God. Like, because, the, because the announcers are hammering at home. And, and to he did, too, on- in his promo. I think he said something like, you watch me on Twitch. And I'm like, da-da-da. I'm like, all right, first off, dude, first off, I don't mean to, I don't mean to besmirch what Miro's doing on you know Twitch or whatever. But more people will listen to this podcast than usually jump on in his Twitch streams. That's, that's all I'm fact. saying. I'm and just that's saying fact. that. <laughs> like, that's, no, that's if, a fact. If that's going to be your thing, you might want to be like really, really good at it. He, he, he averages like 150 to 200 people. Like, you know, more people are listening to us bury him about this than watch his Twitch streams. I'm just saying. The The bottom line is, is that for this guy and what he is and what his aura is supposed to be all about, Twitch streamer who wears Gucci X Mickey Mouse is not going to get him over. He's going to be a mid-carder for life if that's what he wants to be. If he's controlling his own creative and carting it, it's a mistake. That's not what got him over to begin with. That's not what he was when people were clamoring for him to be pushed harder. He was a hoss. He was an ass kicker. He was, you know, and and look, I'm not writing the guy off forever. Oh, God, no. But we have to Maybe react this to this first just, week. It's a first impression. That's right. Maybe this was just a bad debut and he could pivot off of this. Maybe he beats up Kip Sabian next week. Maybe his wrestling gear is, is uh, you know, more – shows off what his strengths are and his – look, it's an aesthetic business. Don't hide your physique when that's a key component of what you are. And that's what he did. He hid his physique under pajamas. I don't care how much they cost. He hid his physique under pajamas. Okay, and that, that, that was a mistake. You know, but he might come out next week and wrestle a match and, and beat the shit out of somebody and look great in the ring. He could recover from this. The debut was terrible. And it's not the way that someone like him should be pushed. Ric Flair shouldn't be a road warrior. And fucking Rusev should not be a Twitch guy who's, you know, uh, where all the talk the next day is about his Yeezys. That's a mistake. That may have worked for someone else. I named a bunch of wrestlers that I think that would work for. Sure. It, it doesn't work for him. Okay. Unless it do, unless this is his thing. And then I think that's a gross misuse of him. Exactly. It, it, it's going to ensure that he does not get over at a main event level is what it's going to do. And look, if he's going to be mid card Miro, it's fine. If he's going to be mid card Miro, then his, his introduction was fine. Sure. If that's yeah. what he's going to be. But I mean, it's like tailored suits work great for Nick Aldis or Cody or, you know, 1985 Ric Flair. Tailored suits don't work so great for, I don't know, um, 
uh, name someone uh, who tailored suits would not necessarily work great for. Stone it's, Cold it's Steve like, Austin. <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin. So it's like, it's not one size fits all ever with this stuff. Right. That's the point. It's not about the those particular clothes. And that wasn't even the worst part of the presentation. He's being introduced with Kip fucking Sabian. Yeah, that's a bad sign. <laughs> He's being – they're pounding the Twitch stuff. We should never know. Yeah, it, 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 I would have been fine if he walked out and then fucking slammed Kip Sabian on the ground and said, I'm not your best man. I'm no one's best man. I'm fucking Miro, and I'm here to you know put AEW on notice. That's and a different – snarled, yeah. snarled into the camera and ripped that $600 shirt in half. I, I mean th- th- that's how you get Rusev over. This was a layup. This was a – they bricked a layup with this. And the problem is, Rich, I don't know if he wants it. He can talk about brass rings and glass ceilings all he wants. But he's out there with a shit-eating grin on his face. He does not look like he's taking this seriously to me. He looks like a guy who got offered a big fat check that he couldn't turn down. Okay? And someone in that room has to say to him, this is not an ideal way to present what we want you to be. It, it's, it, it does not fit. There was He had no star presence whatsoever. None. Every ounce of charisma he ever had was gone instantly the minute he stepped out out of that tunnel. Between the hair and the twitch stuff getting pounded in there, and the fact that he's out there with Kip Sabian in a comedy segment that featured Puff. Let me ask you this, Rich. If I told you a month ago that Rusev signed with AEW, and I told you here's how he's going to debut. He's going to debut in a comedy segment that features Puff. With Kip Sabian. <laughs> no, stop. And the, I don't and, know. And, the, and the essence of his character is going to be his Twitch streams, and he's going to look like he's wearing pajamas. Would you buy or sell that? I would sell the fuck out of that. Anyone would. But there's people pretending this came off well. And again, this doesn't mean you write the guy off forever. No, I don't know what they're not. doing next week. But this was not a good start. And to me, he came across like these guys who leave WWE, you expect big things, and then you quickly realize that WWE might have had the right idea. Mm-hmm. Sean, Sean Spears comes to mind. Um, um, Damian Sandow comes to mind. Where you see them in other places. Yeah, Jack Swagger. Left to their own devices. Jack Swagger's a perfect Jack example, Swag- Yeah. And you see them left to their own devices, and you're like, oh, maybe the company wasn't wrong. To put a cap on this yeah. guy. Oh, I told you the second I, I, I saw Jack Swagger when he walked out at AEW. I remember the show it was him versus Michael Elgin. He came out wearing basketball shorts and a t-shirt, and I just went, fuck. God damn it. And then had proceeded to have a horrendous match. Just a terrible match. And I just knew he walked out, he was fat, he was out of shape, he was wearing basketball shorts, like not even like, you know, like literal like basketball shorts that you wear to go to bed or whatever. And I was just like, oh no. Like, you know, backup basketball shorts, <laughs> you know, not even like training basketball shorts. And yeah, it was just like, oh. How is any of this playing to Miro's strengths? Isn't pro wrestling about emphasizing strengths That's and hiding? That's what I thought, but... I mean, honestly, how is any of this playing to his know. strengths? And, he, and, and, and forget, I'm not even talking about the clothes anymore. The entire debut. I don't know. How did We're old. Any I, guess, of it I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it just it, Like you said, in no way, shape, or form could you sell this to somebody six months ago and they'd be fine with it. No, but not people are telling themselves that they're fine with this. And it's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, it's like, you know, even if you think the clothes look good. I, I Look, I'm not, who am I to judge someone else's fashion? But it's a, it's a pro wrestling show. Yeah. National TV, that's the difference here. 
you know, what you wear to the club or the ball may not translate to what you wear on TV. And it may not tra- – and, and, and not every look is going to translate to every wrestler. It's, it's all – this did not work for him. You know, and I could think of wrestlers that look may have worked for, but not for him. This is a bad way to present him. I don't know. I, I said enough behind the paywall. I, yeah, that's it. I, I, go, I do 20 minutes on this <laughs> on the TV reviews. Um, I think I lay out my case pretty well. And I look, and maybe this is on us for thinking that this guy was going to be a big star if he got out of WWE. Maybe he's just a mid card guy. Maybe that's what he is. I'm not confident in his promo ability after last night either. No, no, n- neither am I. And, and that's like, and like I said, I, full disclosure, like I'm fine within three months from now being like, yeah, sure, this was the right idea for him because he's just going to be a Twitch streamer guy that's just here to having fun with Kip Sabian. Like, but I don't want, I, I think he's got more than that. I think he has more potential and I think that there is a lot more to unlock with him and, and maybe I'm going to be wrong and maybe there isn't more to unlock with him and maybe this is the best way to debut him and this is what he needs to be. It's just, I can tell you I'm disappointed. I mean, w- first impressions are... Okay, here we go. This is this guy finally free of WWE, free of the brass ring, free of the you know the chains or the sleeping in the same bed or whatever the hell uh, thing he's whatever analogy he used or whatever. Well, okay, but you know I don't know. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is what it's going to be. He said all of the right words, but he had the energy of a sloth. I mean, it just well, I think what was telling for me is that he would cut that. He would he would do the line. He'd scream the line, and then he would just like smile and look to the crowd in kind of like a oh I'm so happy to be here thing. Which it's is fine. Fake, it's fake intensity. Though. Yeah, but That's then why... it leads me to believe, okay, what's the... Because the real you was the guy smiling walking out. The real you was the guy smiling and, and, and hugging Kip Sabian and, and, and gesturing to the crowd and stuff. And then he would snap into, like... And he would almost have his little Bulgarian, you know, a little bit more of an accent. And he would say, oh, you know, I've been sleeping in oh, the brass ring. And then he would stop and go, ah, smile, laugh. And I'm like, okay. That's not... The, the, the intensity is fake then at this point. Yeah, the problem with the real Rusev is he, is he might be a fun guy to be around the real life but that's not conducive to to his the best version of his pro wrestling right, right. and at the end of the day you're trying to get people to watch tv and buy pay-per-views does 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 is right. anybody pre-ordering full gear because he walked out in a gucci mickey mouse shirt not a single person not a soul telling us not nobody is, is 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 watching dynamite every single week now because miro came out in a in a disney shirt that was six hundred dollars. Nobody is watching the show every single week because of that. So it's like, it's not that hard. I mean, you got to think what what is the goal here with pro wrestling? What is the goal here? And the goal should be to create stars. And I, I don't know. Remains he to be seen that you made him just, a star here. So he had no charisma, no star presence, and it was the whole total package of how he was presented. I mean, he just came across like beneath a jag, not even a jag, like just a guy with nothing, with nothing to offer. In terms of star power, he had no star presence. He didn't come across tough. How do you debut Rusev and he doesn't come across tough? That's is a, Rich is a layup. I don't understand it. But when your body's hidden and you don't, and you're smiling and hugging Kip Sabian in a comedy segment, you know none of his strengths were exploited. So bad start for Miro for sure. Awful start. All right, let's get to a few of the other topics here uh, before we uh, bid adieu. Let's let's start with this one. We wanted to talk about this last week, but we uh, we ended up running out of time. 
Uh, so we'll bump it up here. Uh, Gabe Sapolsky officially done with WWN uh, and the Indies. Here's a, a press release slash direct message he sent to uh, uh, numerous people. Uh, it said, quote, with WWN announcing the new Eddie Kingston Grindhouse show on September 26th, it is the right time for me to clearly state that I have parted ways with WWN. This is an amicable and mutually decided. I look forward to seeing new minds and ideas come to the forefront on the independent scene. I feel Eddie Kingston is perfect to lead the charge. I still love working with talent, have passion for ta- talent development, and enjoy the bell to bell aspect of putting on shows. However, the downtime due to COVID-19 has made me realize how much I don't miss the day-to-day aspects of running an independent wrestling promotion. I no longer have the drive to continue the constant grind of running an independent wrestling promotion. I consider myself retired as an independent wrestling promoter and booker. I want to give my heart, most heartfelt and sincere thank you to everybody who has supported any independent promotion I was associated with over the years. I also give my deepest gratitude to everyone who worked with me. So... Uh, he's, he's ends here. Thank you for all the good times. I'm excited to follow independent wrestling as a fan. I hope I can be a positive influence and help talent. I look forward to seeing most of you again down the road. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I mean, the story here to me is bigger than Gabe support. I mean, he's got his WWE job and, and we all know that. And, um, I, you listen to what he, I mean. It does sound daunting to try to run independent wrestling during all this COVID bullshit. Oh, yeah, dude, dude at any time it's it's daunting. I can't believe I you know, yeah. it, to be honest. You know, and it's like if you get a chance to cash out your chips and sell that tape library and never have to worry about it again, I can't blame them. But the story is bigger than that to me. And we've touched on this on some past shows, but I really want to get into specifics this time. And it might hurt some feelings, but I don't care. Um, to me the loss of Gabe Sapolsky on the independent scene leaves a gigantic gaping hole that has yet to be filled. And I don't think will be filled by any of the major players in independent wrestling right now. So I don't think they're interested in filling it. And I don't think they're capable of filling it. So, and I'm going to get into specifics, but there is nowhere on the high level Indies right now where independent wrestlers can properly develop. And that is something that Gabe Sapolsky has been providing the independent scene since 2002, whether it's Ring of Honor or Dragon Gate USA or Evolve or even places like FIP when he was involved down there and whatnot. Because Gabe Sapolsky, no matter what you think of his booking, is a booker. He's going to book his shows. He's going to put people in storylines. He's going to have long-term and short-term directions. And I'm not here to debate the quality of his booking. That's not the point of this discussion. The point of this discussion is that is where wrestlers, particularly when they get to the top level of indies, that's sort of the finishing school. That's what helps them develop and get them ready for the next level. Okay. That doesn't, without Gabe's promotions, if you look at the indie scene right now, that doesn't exist anymore. Places like, the high-profile places like Game Changer or Black Label Pro, and I'm going to name specifics in this discussion. They do a lot of matchmaking, Rich, but they don't do any booking. These Game Changer shows every weekend are the same 12 people reshuffled into singles matches against each other that have no stakes, that don't mean anything, that have no long-term or even short-term direction. You're just wrestling the next body the next weekend. Right. The matches almost never have any structure. You're just sent out there to get your shit in. There's always a scramble. There's usually a death match. And there's one storyline going on in that entire company. And it's Nick Gage and RSP. And that's on hold because Nick Gage is hurt. 
And these shows are great for exposure. Awesome for exposure. Terrible for development. You're getting no direction. You're not given anything to sink your teeth into in terms of storylines or promos or anything like that. And you're just going out there and doing your spots and hoping to get noticed. And this isn't just a Joe Lanza rant. And you're privy to this, Rich. I've had this same conversation with multiple people inside indie wrestling who obviously I'm not going to name and I can't name them. People inside indie wrestling I've had this conversation with and they've agreed with me that, and these people don't even like Gabe, but they agree that the loss of Gabe leaves a gaping hole in that regard. There's no place to go at that top level where you're going to get booked into programs and work long-term feuds and get to do promos and have direction on what to do in a match. Okay, in this match, we're kicking off a program and you're going to go over and I want it to go 11 minutes and I want this story to be told. That's not happening on the indies. There's a lot of matchmaking and a lot of silliness and a lot of bullshit, but no one's booking anything. And it's impeding development. And there's people inside indie wrestling who agree with me. And they don't even like Gabe. But that's besides the point. They agree that Evolve was a place you can go where you can learn and sink your teeth into something and be involved in a, a promotion where there's actual booking taking place. And that makes a wrestler think and work on a different level. Oh, I know I'm going to be paired up with this guy for the next six months, and this is going to be the end result of that. And then I'm going to do this, and he's going to do that. How do we get there? What do we do in this match to set up the next match? Mm-hmm. What do I say in my promo? Yeah, every, every match you have to approach differently you know, than, than you would if this is just a random showcase match. It's just a match I have this weekend. Let me do my it's shit not just, and get out of there. It's yeah. not just, okay, Blake Christian, go out there and, and do your shit. Right, right. Oh, we're just putting all you guys in a scramble again tonight. It's, 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 you know what I mean? And, and There was an egregious one from this weekend, too, where uh, Alex Colon, who won the uh, Tournament of Survival you know, two weeks ago, is in the second match against Chris Dickinson and just gets you know, killed and, and loses. And it's just like, oh, all right. <laughs> like, yeah. You're not going to build off that? You're not going like, you know, to keep that momentum it's going? Just, it's just okay. It's poor. Look, there's no booking effort put into Game Changer at all. Guy wins a tournament, just comes out, loses the next match. I mean, you know, I'm just going to come out and say it. Game Changer stinks. It's not good. Like, I get why people like it, but it's poorly booked. There's no effort put into the booking. Okay? It's a, it's a place for exposure, for sure. And I'll give them credit for emerging in the scene and being the biggest indie, and they do have a fan base, and but people are there to drink beer and have fun. And look, it's not you know. Here's the thing, Rich. It's not even Game Changers' fault. They need to do what's best for them. Yeah, I, I honestly think I think that they fit a pretty nice niche and a pretty cool niche. You just wish that there were other companies in the scene that could could because like I don't mind if you want to turn your brain off and watch you know a, a Game Changer wrestling show for a few hours on a Saturday or whatever. But them being the top indie, the de facto top indie, people saying, oh well, they'll fill the gap that you know was left by Evolve, or they'll fill the gap that was left by you know Ring of Honor not being what it used to be, or, or, or whatever. So wrong. It's, so it's just, yeah, it's just, they're they're it's, they're operating on a different you know PWG who, who will probably never be the same again either. Like it's no, you're you're just it's 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 operating on a completely different level. They have their niche and they're good at their niche and and I think they do a decent enough job. It's not my style of wrestling. It's not the wrestling that I'm going to get invested in. But do I find myself you know bored on a Saturday pop you know watching a, a, a game changer show or you know a week after you know saying ah you know well, let me let me put this on as background noise? I do like I don't mind it from that standpoint. But like you're saying it's 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 just not it doesn't fill that gap. 
it just it 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 exists in its own universe, but it, it doesn't fill the gap that I think you and I and and many other people are are, are looking for on the indies. And, and well, and, and I think it's bad. I think it's it, it's bad that the wrestlers don't have places where they can where they can develop either. And I'm not letting PWG off the hook because I think I think PWG is game changer with better work rate. They don't book anything either, except right. at the top. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there was just one story almost the entire time. <laughs> the, the, the glory years of PWG had like one or two stories tops ever. I see all these people saying, "Oh, Game Changer is going to fill that Evolve role." They're nothing like Evolve. They couldn't be more different. No matter what you think of Evolve or Game Changer, they couldn't be more different. Game Changer has more similarities with PWG, where PWG is just an all-star show. And they're putting together the best work rate matches possible, and you're lucky to get one storyline at the top built around the title. That's exactly what Game Changer is. It's a, they, they do a lot of matchmaking and very little booking. And again, it's not Game Changer's responsibility to help develop indie talents. It's their responsibility to book the best possible shows that they can that are going to make them the most money. That's it. So I'm not coming down on them and telling them that they have some kind of responsibility to change the way they do things. Why would they listen to me? They're doing great. They should keep doing whatever they're doing for the sake of their business and their fan base who eat it up. What I'm saying is there's a gaping hole in the indie scene, and a lot of that is because Gabe Sapolsky is not involved anymore. Because you had 20 years of Gabe Sapolsky promotions where what, no matter what you think of Gabe, wrestlers at the very top of the indie level – went to his promotions for that final step in their development and usually from there went on to contracts in whatever company you want to name. And there is no place right now to fill that gap. I mean, you look at BLP that gets a lot of attention. Why did Calvin Tankman get a title shot a couple of weekends ago? It was his debut match. No story even attempted to be told. There's no booking happening in these companies. They're just matchmaking. And again, it's not BLP's responsibility to develop Calvin Tankman. That's not what I'm saying. But that it, it, it's not happening. What BLP does is just puts together the most zany matchups they can. Right, right. And Wacky that's... intergender stuff and fun stuff that their fans are going to eat up or the biggest, nastiest, fucking toughest guy in the locker room versus the cutest little girl. That's the kind of stuff they do. And their fans like that. And that's fine. But again... Who's filling the gap? What's the indie promotion right now that's doing long-term booking, even short-term booking, putting their wrestlers in programs, producing promos, letting people cut three- or four-minute promos and sink or swim and learn how to cut a promo in the ring in front of fans, in the back in front of a camera because those are two different things. Where is any of this happening? And it's a problem. And – Regardless of what my tastes are in indie wrestling or your taste, my point here is that there is a giant gap left behind by what Gabe was providing to the scene. And I got two different people inside of wrestling who don't even like him to agree with me on that. Because it's the truth. So I think that's the biggest loss. Not that we don't have Evolve shows anymore. The biggest loss is that no one is filling that gap in independent wrestling. And nobody seems to be in a hurry to do it either. I think that's that's one of the big issues too is that that Gabe was probably the last of, of a generation and, and and locally, you know, uh, for me, you know, I, I, I two local companies that I have that I think do a decent enough job of it but aren't, probably aren't ready to like step up to the plate in terms of being like the main like AAW I think does a, a decent enough job of it. I mean, there was there was times where they were all these sorts of stories and booking or whatever. And then they got 
they became a super indie because, you know, they could book super indie talent. Like, why wouldn't you book Chris Hero and Pentagon and Zack Sabre Jr. and all these guys? And they did that for a while. But then once those guys started getting signed, they got back into becoming, you know, Matt, show-to-show story type stuff. And, yeah, if you go to AEW, if you watch AEW, I know, I think it was like two years ago or maybe last year where you watched almost every AEW show. I think they do a pretty good job of it. Uh, freelance wrestling as well in Chicago. I think they do a pretty damn good job of of, of keeping some stories uh, going throughout the up and down of the card and 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 booking to that standpoint where they have what feels like you know kind of a consistent roster that comes in and and things kind of build off of one another and people kind of move up and move down or whatever. So there are some of those and, and there's probably a few local examples that people can bring up, but it doesn't that niche that you're talking about is like that that indie that's clearly a step ahead of of you know the rest of the field, but clearly not a major that's ready to kind of be the finishing school for guys as they're about to ready to go to a place where Ben Carter would go instead of getting scooped up by, you know, AEW or WWE at this point. Like, he would go to that company, refine himself, and be ready to go then in a few years, become a top star or whatever. He's a picture-perfect example of a guy who Gabe would get a hold of and finish off. Yeah. You know, and it's like – now, I know the landscape is different because there's a half a dozen companies offering contracts, and everybody gets signed too soon. That's just a product of the environment. That's just going to happen when you have six different companies or whatever. Look, you got WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor, Impact, New Japan, and probably someone MLW. You know, all throwing around various degrees of contracts. The guys, everyone's going to get signed too soon. I get it, and you know that's another part of the problem too. And it's it's I don't begrudge anyone for signing, and I don't begrudge the companies for signing people. It's competitive, you know, and, and that's good. But the development is lacking. And it's because a lot of the higher profile places – look, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one place. When uncharted territory was a thing, Beyond was doing a nice job. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Week-to-week storylines, long-term stuff over the course of their seasons. But now that uncharted territory just isn't a thing during COVID and may not be a thing ever again, uh, you know, they've gotten away from that. And their shows have fallen into the same trap of just matchmaking. And it's a trick situation because it sounds like I'm burying these promotions and in some ways I obviously am because what's my incentive to keep watching Game Changer? The shows are the same every time and there's no hook there's no stories or hooks to bring me back. It's just who's the alley cat going to wrestle this weekend in a meaningless match where the outcome does not matter and from you know a personal taste standpoint I don't find them interesting at all but from a talent development standpoint, and, and there's just, you know, I, there's no one on the scene who's really booking pro wrestling anymore at the top level of the indies. You know, a lot of Dylan Hale's adjacent promotions um, in the South are doing that kind yeah. of stuff. And surprise, surprise, where did Ben Carter come out of? Mm-hmm. Why is he the hottest prospect in the independents? I mean, because he was developed properly. And I've talked about it a million times. I watched him work six-minute squashes. I watched him work matches where he sold the leg. I watched him work spot fests. I watched him work all kinds of different matches throughout, you know, coming up. And then he comes to Game Changer, and he's working scrambles. And you just bang your head against the wall. You know, and it's like, these promotions don't even have titles. I mean, what are we doing? (laughs) You know, it's like Beyond and Game Changer don't even really have titles. You know, and it's like, um, you know, it's it's how can you give these wrestlers something to sink their teeth into? And again, while it sounds like I'm bearing the promotions, I concede. It's not their responsibility to worry about this shit. They need to produce shows that make them the most money. And if fans are going to eat this stuff up from these places, then that's what they need to do. But I mean, I really wish there was a promotion 
at that level of the indies where the top people can go and really be involved in something interesting. Not just for my own personal taste, because I'm dying for an indie like that. Because we don't have one anymore. And hopefully with AAW coming back, they're my hope. Because like you mentioned, they do do some of that stuff. And I freelance does too. I just, they're kind of out of my radar for, you know what I mean? Like I don't watch them on a show. So and show out I will say about the freelance and, and it might be the deterrent to you is that they, they do tell those stories, but it ten, the roster tends to be a little bit more on the black label pro. I, uh, and that's why I can't. Yeah. That that's side. Exactly. It's a little bit more of the, the, the goofy it's, side. They do. They, I'll, I'll give them credit. They do tell the stories. And when they do tell good top level stories, they are good. But like, the roster itself, I think you are going to be more of an AEW guy than, than a freelance guy because of just the roster. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's fine, you know, and that's my taste. But I feel like AEW does, when they get rolling, they do book. You know, and they are what I would call at times a super indie based on the talent that they use. Sometimes they're more of a local that use the top Midwest guy. But at other times, wouldn't you classify them as a, like a, the super indie of the Midwest during different periods of their existence? Um, I mean, that's how I viewed them based on the talent that they sure. were bringing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they were kind of like what I had down here with Wrestle Circus, where, you know, um, they were bringing in talent from all over the country as opposed to just the Texas talent, you know, and there's there's room for everyone, obviously. But it's like they're kind of a uh, – I'm going to have my eye on AAW. I'm not you know, not going to lie. When they come back and they are, you know, starting to advertise their comeback, aren't they – did they – Give a date, or they ran a teaser video. Uh, or there's something. a teaser video, yeah. No, no details. I got stonewalled when I asked, so I'm not sure what's. A... Because listen, I am dying. We'll just leave that hanging. But I'm just dying to have an indie to sink my teeth into, mm-hmm. and that's not going to happen with these matchmaker promotions that don't put any effort into their booking. Right. And I do think it's a detriment to the scene that we don't have any. You know, and and I think the bloom is kind of coming off the rose with game changer from that perspective where I think people try to get into it because it's the top game in town right now and everything, but it's like people are watching this stuff. And I just had a long conversation on Twitter with a bunch of good fans. We're all trying to get into it. They don't let us, what is there to get into on those shows from a, you know, from a, from a nerdy pro wrestling, you know, perspective. And, and I, I feel like I wouldn't be so down on some of these promotions if we had other promotions that were doing something else in terms of better long-term booking and telling more stories and those sorts of things. And we just – it doesn't exist. So this conversation isn't necessarily specifically about Gabe Sapolsky. It's just a reminder that the things he was doing over the last 18 years are no longer there mm-hmm. at that level and – I don't see anyone stepping in to replace that. Yeah, it's- it doesn't look like there's a desire. These, you know, new companies that prop up and, and new companies that come up. The direction isn't, you know, here are these really cool stories we're telling. It's hey, here's these pretty cool guys we can book. It's like everyone's kind of stuck in 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 and that super indie thing that was happening a few years ago, but just without the talent of the super indie. And instead, it's right. you know we're booking a bunch of guys and they're going to do a bunch of stuff and then it's over. And it's like that's fine, that's okay, but like that gets boring after a while. And and and. The talent's there. The horses aren't there. You could do Super Indie when you had Chris Hero and Pentagon and Zack Sabre Jr. and Kelly O'Reilly and Roderick Strong and Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano and you know, Ricochet and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the list can go on and on and on. Those guys aren't there anymore. Like, you're at a point now where you're going to have to develop. You have to make the most out of the guys. You have to accentuate the positives, hide the negatives, make the most out of the guys that are on these indies and, 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 and do it. But 
you know, people don't want to. People don't want to invest in that because it takes a while. Then you have to have a show where sometimes a guy that's good might have a match that's not great because you're trying to tell a story. And and it seems like everyone's terrified of doing that. Everyone's terrified of just having a show where maybe it's not a very good show because, you know, you were, t- were telling, you know, this story or booking this or whatever. And, and, and I don't know if that's the, the, the fear or people are just lazy and they realize, hey, you know what? Here's here's 13 names. You can click on a bunch of graphics on our Twitter account and you'll come anyway. So you're cool. Thanks. Bye. I mean, full disclosure, because he works here, but how great was the Brandon Thurston, Daniel Garcia yeah, stuff? Yeah, fantastic. Would I have ever watched Empire Wrestling, ever, if they no, had not done something no, like that? No. No, why would I? It's in Buffalo, New York. I can't go to the shows. They're using regional talent. But that got me into their promotion for six months there when they told that tremendous, pro, that simple, tremendous pro wrestling story, which did a ton for a guy like Daniel Garcia. You know what I mean? It's like... We're not getting that at the top level, quote unquote, national indies. And I don't even know if a lot of these places consider themselves national indies. But if all your shows are on independent wrestling TV and you're using all the top talent, you know, that's what you are. You know, and and I just feel like, you know, I know this is going to be taken as me trashing all these places, but I really don't think it's their problem. I'm just explaining that it doesn't exist and that no one's filling that hole. I'm not saying that fucking BLP Mikey or whatever the fuck needs to change his booking philosophy. Have I said that? Because no, I, God I, no. I yeah, you do your thing. We just want somebody to emerge from the scene saying, "Hey, I'm going to be different than everything else that's going on right now." Yeah, and just run a a, a legitimate, you know, legitimate's a, a, a shitty word to use, but just run a traditional pro wrestling promotion where, you know, there's stakes and there's actual booking taking place, and we're seeing people develop and. We, as fans, we have something to sink our teeth into. Because I'm not saying there's no place for this other style. There clearly is. You know, and and again, I, you know, I think PWG is the same problem, just with better wrestling. But it's the same issue. They're not a great place to develop either. They're just an all-star show. We've had that conversation a million times. PWG is an all-star show. It's what they are. That's their place in the ecosystem. Game changers place in the ecosystem is crack open a beer and watch people do stupid things yeah. and have a good time. And we defend, I mean, back in the day, we, we would defend PWG when people would say, oh, it's ridiculous. Cause we're like, well, why not just be an, it's fine. Like we didn't care because there were those other options. There were other, correct. other, yeah. so I had, I never had an issue with what PWG did when others did, when other, when others said, oh, and that's the thing. It's like, I'm not being a hypocrite. I'm just saying I had no issue with PWG at the time because why not book an all-star show? <laughs> you know, why, of course, book an all-star show. But then it was like, hey, I can watch PWG to see a bunch of dudes over a weekend do a bunch of crazy great matches that don't mean anything. And then, you know, the next week I could watch, you know, Evolve, where it's going to be a story stuff. Or I'll watch this, or I'll watch that. There was there was other options of that. And now that there isn't, it's just everybody doing, you know, quote-unquote all-star shows. And But they're doing it without all-stars. And, and that's the part that really, to me, kind of... Yeah, it just it, it it has me a little bit down on it and stuff, and and it's honestly I'm really glad. It's a big reason why I'm glad that Champion Carnival and N1 and G1 and all that stuff sort of firing up and getting going because I've been watching a lot of American Indies and it's just nothing is clicking with me. Nothing is landing at all. So every time I try, and I try because of this show and what we do, and you have to keep your finger on the pulse of everything. I'll watch for a couple weeks and then I have to stop watching because it just doesn't hold my interest, and then it, the cycle just repeats. And 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 look, that's a me and you problem, admittedly. But the point here is is there is a gigantic gap left in the scene. And I think it's bad for fans, and I also think it's bad for the wrestlers. And, you know, it's like you say there's no talent, and these are all-star shows, but they're more like meme all-star shows, right? The meme wrestlers, the deathmatch wrestlers, 
because everyone says, well, that's all that's left. Everyone else gets signed. Well, you know, the Carl Fredericks of the world and the Ben Carters, they're coming from somewhere. Okay. Maybe we're not looking hard enough. How is AEW finding all these guys in North Florida and Georgia? Where are they finding Will Hobbs and Lee Johnson and Alan Angles? Okay. And where is New Japan finding Clark Connors and Carl Fredericks and all the guys that they find on the West Coast? The talent is out there. There's no place for the solid professional wrestler to go to anymore. And again, this will be taken the wrong way too because the spots are taken up by the Alley Cat and Dan the Dad and and Dan Housen. And good for them because they've all carved out nice careers. And you're getting it. That's my point here is there should be places for those people to go and there should be high profile places for other kinds of talent to go. But everyone is booking the same kind of talent right now in promotions that are just matchmaker promotions with no storylines or booking to speak of. They're all the same. At their core, Beyond and Game Changer and Black Label Pro are the same. They use all the same people, and they all book the same way, with the exception of when Uncharted Territory is is going strong. Because I thought he did a tremendous job with that. That was exactly what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. I watched every week. (laughs) You can't say we didn't support it. We talked about it every single week when it was going. Bringing in cars from different areas, too, and, 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 you know... Again, the Brandon Thurston, Jay Freddy thing, which again was fantastic. Full disclaimer, he works here, but whatever, to, whatever, it was good. He was Brandon was my favorite indie wrestler of twenty nine. Oh, it was great. Yeah, just doing, telling great stories, having good matches. Yeah, it's it's not hard. <laughs> it's pretty easy. You know, and it's like if you think I'm being biased, was he my favorite wrestler in any other year? I mean, but last year he was great, and he was doing interesting things. So it's like we need more places, and then maybe. Because I still believe that there's talent out there. Because we see places find these guys. But they have nowhere to go except their, their local promotions. There needs to be more high-profile places which both give people exposure and allow them to develop as workers. And we don't have it now. And the loss of Gabe Sapolsky just enhances that. No matter what you think of Gabe Sapolsky, you cannot deny that he was a true pro wrestling booker, no matter what you thought of his booking or his business acumen or the way he treated you. I'm not talking about any of that. It just exemplifies this gap we have. And I think that's hurting because Rich, I'm telling you, there are other Ben Carters out there. There are other Alan Angles and Will Hobbs and Lee Johnson's and Carl Fredericks out there. Yeah, they're they're there. I mean, cuz I, I there was there was times where I'd say, "Oh no, we're you know, there, there's no one there." But then, you know, AW keeps finding them. <laughs> they keep popping up in uh, in places here and there. They're there. It's just a matter of and it, even if they're not there, you make them there. You know what I mean? Like you make you accentuate those positives. You 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 make the most out of a guy. You get a guy in your okay, what what do you do well? You know, what can we do with you? And and that's the art of it. That's the art of pro wrestling is is, is finding guys, finding those diamonds in the rough. But, yeah, I can't say there's no one there if, you know, in the last, you know, five months, AEW's found a bunch of those guys. It's like, okay, you know, hey, where did really, Wardlow come from? How did he come out of nowhere? Like, yeah, what are we Wardlow, doing? There's a million examples. Do you really think that just North Florida and Georgia are just happens to be a fuck? No. Yeah, QT Marshall is the best wrestling trainer in the world. No, you're just making yeah, the most out of what he's got there, you know? Yeah, you could go to any region of the company, and if AEW just happened to set up shop in Chicago, they'd find guys. If they came to Texas, they'd find Fine guys, if they came to Missouri, wherever, they're out there. 
we just need the high profile places to showcase that. And I'm not, it, that doesn't mean that I think that fucking the alley cats shouldn't get booked anymore. There should be places for all of this stuff. And there should be promotions that fill all of these niches and fill all of these places in the scene. Credit on all of those people for getting over and getting booked everywhere. But that's all that's getting booked in the high-profile places. And they're doing a disservice to all these guys that they're just throwing in scrambles. I mean, I talked about a couple weeks ago. Blake Christian works scrambles every weekend, and he just looks like a flippy-doo jerk. And then he goes to New Japan Strong, and he looks a million times better than he ever looks on any of these other shows. Why? He has structure and direction. And they give him a role in the match. You're in a six-man tag. He might not be featured in those six-man tags every time, but he has his role. Maybe he's the guy they're putting the heat on, or maybe he's the guy that does the big dive, or maybe he's the guy that gets the hot tag, whatever. And that's not happening on the indies. That's what I mean when I talk about development. And a guy like Blake Christian will go to New Japan and work six different six-man tags for strong and have a different role in each one of them and learn and develop. And that's what the scene needs, and we're not getting it. So I really hope – I look, I don't know how I'm coming across. And I'm going to listen back to this later nervous, to be honest, because I'm trying to make nuanced points without burying people, but it's impossible not to, to come across that way. And I really hope people don't come at it. And look, I know how it's going to be taken, but I'm really hoping that people understand. I'm not trying to throw Game Changer or BLP Mikey. Yeah, or telling or them to change the way that they do their business. We're just or saying. Drew under the bus. I'm none of that. Yeah. We just, they have, they're filling those niches. We need someone to fill the other ones now because they're not interested in doing it. You know, and Drew is to some extent when he has his show. We'll see. Who am I to tell Game Changer to change? They're doing everything right, <laughs> they're fucking killing it. And Gage and RSP is going to draw a monster house when COVID's over at the next WrestleMania weekend. I mean, that, that, that story's over like a motherfucker with their fans. They're telling one story and it's money. Dude, you're obviously good at this. Tell us some more. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, this story's not over with me. Ricky Shane Page could go hit the bricks as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. But with that fan base, it's but, over like know, a motherfucker. But it, 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 it speaks to my point of you have a guy that, I mean, I don't, I think he's really good at anything, <laughs> Shane Page. But what they're doing is they're saying, good, that's what we're going to do with you. They took a guy and they said, okay, what, what do you do well? Well, people think I fucking suck. Perfect. Great. That's our story. Let's go with it. And it's a great story. And people are, are bloodthirsty for this guy. And that's you know, what they want Gage to murder this. And guy. that's what it used to be about. That's what it, you, yes. that's what wrestling is about is, okay, who do we have? It's not always about acquiring the best talent. It's about the talent you have on hand at the time. And then you go, okay. What do you do? What do you do well? What can we fix? What can we change? What can we accentuate? What can we hide? All that sort of That's the art of it. And Game Changer is doing an incredible job with Ricky Shane Page. Because he's gone through all these different gimmicks, all these different years, 20 years on the Indies of bullshit. All this, and they've, they've tapped into the best thing. It's like, look, people think you fucking suck and that you're garbage. So let's have you cheat and everybody will fucking hate you. And they'll want you dead. And it's great. It's good. It's entertaining as fuck. It's the best part of G- GCW. It's Ricky. Sh- I don't skip Ricky Shane J- Page matches anymore. Because it's interesting. Because the crowd goes fucking. Your, I know. Speak for yourself, but it's. I, I get it, but I but like the the, it, the crowd wakes up. It's a different noise. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. He comes out and it's a different tenor. It's a different noise. It feels different. It's like that's the art of it. That's where it's fun. But I guess people don't want to do that anymore. It's it's a lot of work. I get it, but that's the stuff. That's a little minutia that I would absolutely love. Like I never want to be in charge of wrestling a booking co- or, 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 or booking a wrestling company ever. 
ever, 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 ever. But <laughs> if I did, like, that's a little shit that I would love. I'd love to sit in a room with you and just argue about, like, how a guy should be pushed and what this guy should do for the next three months or whatever. That I would love that shit. But some guys, yeah. you know, they don't want that. So I get it. It's fine. But I just wish there were more people that wanted to do the, you know, the nuts and bolts. Booking. I just want some promotions at the highest level of the indies to fill that gap. And unfortunately, to get to that point, I had to demonstrate that no one is filling that gap. Yeah, right, right. I, and And... I have enough heat with most of those people where it's like, it's whatever, but I really hope people understand. I'm not telling them to change and I'm not telling them what they're doing is wrong. I mean, game changer has a formula and it works. They got their big story they're building to and gauge is a fucking icon and Janela does his thing and has his super matches with his guys. And they bring in all the top guys and get them exposure. And it's the place to be, you know, to get exposure. Uh, but man, I, I, I just wish there were other places to fill other holes in indie wrestling, we don't have that. And that's why overall, I think indie wrestling as a whole is the least interesting it's been in 20 years. Since the indie explosion has, you know, happened in, you know, around 2002 or whatever. And, and, I, and I'll, I'll even say Chikara for a while too was, that was a well-booked promotion, oh, yeah. whether you incredible. were into it or not. And it's like, that's another example of a promotion that's, you know, at minimum, at hiatus, and I'm not getting into the quack shit right now. That's not – that's for another day. But it's like, you know, when you had Chikara and you had Gabe going strong, you had AEW flying on all cylinders, and it's like you had places that were, you know, doing that sort of you – know, were actually booking. And then you had your all-star show out in California. And then you had sort of your comedy – places that did more comedy. Or it's just – now we just seem to have one type at the top level. And – that's why indie wrestling has never been less interesting. And, um, you know, it just, uh, and yet super indies, not, you don't have super indies anymore because, well, I don't know where I feel like we're repeating the same points, yeah, but, yeah. um, that's all I, you know, that's a conversation I've been meaning to have, you know, which is sort of a byproduct of Gabe Sapolsky cashing in his chips. And, um, you know, it's, uh, he's got his job and, with WWE, you know, he's wanted it for a long time and, you know, good for him. And, um, you know, I just, I just wish someone would step up and fill the hole. Alrighty. Let's, uh, let's go. We got a few more topics to get to. So let's get these pretty quick. We got about, uh, about yeah, 15 or so minutes left in the show. So we'll do these pretty quick. Uh, Universe, uh, United, sorry, United Wrestling Network, cooperative group, professional wrestling promotions. NWA is involved. A few other promotions are involved. Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. A few other guys, West Coast Pro, I believe, is involved in this too. Um, we mentioned them a few weeks ago. They are doing weekly pay-per-views. That's the business model is weekly pay-per-views uh, starting at seven ninety nine on Fight. Uh, it's coming up Tuesday, September 15th. Here is the card, Joe, for seven ninety nine on Fight TV. You have NWA champion Nick Aldis versus Mike Bennett. Mike the Miracle Man Bennett or Miracle the Mike Man Bennett or whatever the fuck uh, Pope called him that one time. You have West Coast Pro champion Alexander Hammerstone versus EJ Sparks. You have UWN TV champion Dan Joseph versus Levi Shapiro, Camille versus Heather Monroe, uh, Will Alday versus Jordan Clearwater, Chris Dickinson versus Dick Mayer. It's the real name, apparently, Dick Mayer. And then I, th I think this is an error. I can't believe this is a real match, but I believe it is the Tribe, the Hawaiian Lion, and the Navajo Warrior versus yeah. the Wolf Zaddies. Oh, is it the tri the Tribe is the Hawaiian Lion and the Navajo Warrior, right? Correct. Yeah. And then the Wolf Zaddies are Bad Boy Tito and Che Cabrera. Or Che Cabrera, uh, Cabrera I think, I believe is the name. So, 
bad dude, Tito. A bad dude. What did I say? Bad boy, Tito. <laughs> I'm sorry. Bad, listen, bad dude Tito is a legend behind the paywall on the old TV reviews when I was doing championship rounds. <laughs> yes, I do remember bad, bad dude Tito, yeah. Okay, um, yeah, look, this is a lot of West Coast guys mixed in with all this on top. The UWN thing, we talked about it. United Wrestling Network, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, Championship Wrestling from Arizona, I believe, in the NWA. They're going to give this a go. There's just not enough star power on these shows. I think people are going to be taken aback at some of the championship wrestling from Hollywood sort of 80 ish talent that they're going to see on some of these shows, including this one. Um, Cause I watched this show from time to time, as you know, reviewed it for a year. Um, and look, these are going to fail. I, I, cause there's just not enough star power. Did you watch any of the new 10 pounds of gold stuff? Uh, I have not, no, I did not jump into it yet. It, the post Lagana stuff. Then I won't talk about it. I'll let you go watch it. And then maybe we could do it. Yeah, we'll talk about show. it. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. Um, so we could talk about some of maybe changes or, you know, thing we can get into that, but, um, look, there's some talented people on the show and it kind of speaks to the point we were making earlier where there is talent out there. There's also some cringy guys on this show. There's also some people I'm not familiar with at all. And Chris Dickinson is a great example of a guy, Rich. Why isn't he in the top program in 19 different Indies? Right I don't now? know. I don't know. It's, it's, but he's just out there, you know, they put him in there and he, and he has a match with Priscilla Kelly which is just a, why would anyone want to, you know, it's like, or, you know, it's like, why isn't he in the top line main event? Why isn't he the top guy in every indie doing four different intricate storylines at once? And it's, this is what I'm talking about. Instead, he's just this great wrestler meandering around having pointless matches everywhere he goes. And that's what's kind of frustrating. Just kind of to expand on the last topic. But um, yeah, I don't see these things being a success. They're being held midweek. Not a ton of star power. Tuesday, too. Um, like, who, who honestly on Tuesday goes, you know what I want to pro wrestling in my life? Because, <laughs> you know, tomorrow I got AEW and NXT, and I just had Raw, and I just had all this. And you know what I need on my Tuesday? More wrestling. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pay $8 for that right to watch wrestling. It's just... With a, with a Nick Aldis title match and a bunch of people I've never heard of. I mean, you know, the answer, Rich, is nobody. So, I don't know how long these are going to last. Probably however many they have in the can. I'm assuming they taped a bunch of them. Um, probably out of that same little building New Japan is running, if I'd have to guess. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm not optimistic about these at all. But we will cover it because we've covered the NWA from day one. And we will continue to cover the NWA and with our final breaths. How about that for coming? <laughs> yep. <laughs> but uh, not optimistic about these at all. It has no buzz. None whatsoever. Um, not even out of the NWA. I mean, I'm not hearing a ton of buzz outside of the 10 pounds of gold they put out. And, um, you know, those aren't getting the attention that they used to. It's tricky. You know, if NWA power was going on, I'm sure they'd be promoting this. But there's no NWA power right now. So, and, you know, circling back to the last talk we had, I mean, NWA power was something a little different for talent to do. Rich, is Ricky Starks in AWA right now without NWA power? Oh, God, no. God, no. And it's like that's a perfect example of talent development, you know? And, you know, exposure to 
Because there's no denying these wrestlers are getting exposure in these places. Yeah. Well, you know, honestly, one of the things, and, and, and you brought it up with Chris Dickinson, one of the things that I loved about when I first kind of discovered the indies and, and, and bounced around and watched a bunch of different indies, watched Ring of Honor and ECWA, uh, you know, uh, ECWA and, 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 and all these other companies that were, were bouncing all around. And the thing that I loved the most is that, you know, a guy would be one thing in one company and then something completely different in another company. Like yeah. just watching Brian Danielson in one company versus another was like, oh, that's really cool. He's like completely different. Like CM Punk, what he was in, you know, IWA Mid South was not what he was in Ring of Honor. He was different. He was working different stories. He had different feuds. So it was fun to kind of watch the same guys working different ways in different companies. Like that was really cool. I really enjoyed that. Guys are just got dudes now. You know, Chris Dickinson comes out with a backwards hat and kicks people's asses. That that's what he does at every at all the nineteen companies he works for. Yeah, and he's great. Like I love him, but like. No company is like, hey, you know what? Let's 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 well, do Rich, this. It's not you. on him. They're not asking. No, I'm I'm not saying it's on him, but I'm just yeah. finding it funny that like, yeah, it, it just it speaks to it. Like, you, and and you know this, yeah. and anybody that watched the indies in those you know first periods was like, yeah, guys came and and they may have looked kind of the same because they couldn't afford a bunch of different gear, but their stories were very different. The way they were was very different, company by company. Guys are just guys now, you, you know. And 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 then NWA did offer that a little bit different. Is that everybody felt like. Yeah, they were kind of maybe the best versions of, of of things they had done in the indies or whatever, but everybody kind of had their own little character and their own little niche. And Eddie Kingston on, on NWA was not the same Eddie Kingston that I watch, you know, on AAW or whatever. It was different. No, yeah. he was in wrestling. He was in a that, – that, I'm talking about the, 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 the unit in AAW. Yeah, yeah, right, Rock. exactly. You know, he had different you – know, you know, baby face someplace, heel somewhere else. And the thing about NWA power, you got to go out there in front of a live audience and cut promos. Where else are you being asked to do that? At that level, you know, and that undoubtedly, I mean, Ricky Starks, always a good promo guy, but he, he'll tell you that undoubtedly helped him. A guy like Zicky Dice getting, you know, and look, NWA uses plenty of national names, too, and guys who have been on TV and all that. But it, it, it's a definite boon to the underneath people and the indie people that they bring in to work and, and working different styles of matches. Those short, old school territory style matches that they were being asked to work as well which is something different than you're being asked to do everywhere else, which is important in development, right? You're not going out there. You're not getting 22 minutes to do all your shit. You've got four minutes, and this is the story I want told. Well, yeah, and then different companies having different house styles, too. Okay, we're more of a working yep. company. We're more of a deathmatch company. We're more of a, a, a wrestling, grappling company. We're, we're more of this, or we're more story-heavy, or we're more hardcore. Like, whatever. You could go to – and that's what I think. IW Mid-South and Ring of Honor were not the same companies on any level whatsoever. CZW wasn't the same. You know, guy, a lot of the ROH guys worked CZW, but they worked a completely different style in CZW than they did Ring of Honor. Like, Or they went to Chikara, and they worked a completely different style. That, that sort of stuff is just – yeah, there's no difference. Guys come and they just do the style. They just do their style. They do their match, and that's it. Because everything's kind of morphed into one giant blob. Yeah. But anyway, I don't know what that has to do with UWN. But uh, <laughs> we. Just, but well, what yeah, else I are mean, we going to talk? I, what else are you going to say about UWN? I really don't think these shows are going to do well, though. I have no. God, no. It's $8, $8 to watch Nick Aldis and Mike Bennett. I'm sorry. That's. I'll see on Tuesday if people are talking about it, but I doubt they will be. And um, We got a promo code for that, or. Um. Yeah, we can we can get you one. Yeah, maybe we, we don't have a promo code, but we have a, we have a we have a link. I'll put the link in the description if people want to do that. But I, I can get no. You I one. mean, I, I'm having a production. You, you're trying. Oh, I see. You're trying to wet the whistle a little bit. Yeah, can, we have you. a promo yeah. code. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I can get All one right. for you. Yeah, maybe I'll watch it then. Yeah. All right. Speaking of promo codes, <laughs> Refro UK Epic Encounter Night Two also uh, streaming on Fight. 
this one looks pretty interesting as well. We'll talk about the kind of the main matches or, or the two matches that really stand out to me that I want to check out. And, and I think I probably, you know, everybody's going to kind of be the same with me. Really kind of three matches, I'd say. Uh, Michael Oku, Ricky Knight Jr., that's going to be your main event. Undisputed British and Speed King Championship Unification match. I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, Will Ospreay versus Callum Newham, uh, Newman, which is, he's a prospect to definitely keep an eye on. Did you finally watch that match? Yes, or? yeah, he was great. He was so good. God, that guy's good. Yeah, and he's yeah. like 17 or something. Yeah, that was an eye-opener where you're like, so. okay. And and Will, you could tell Will got his eyes on him too and was like, ah, yes, here we go. So Will definitely is going to try to lose to this guy, but I'm hopefully they said, Will, you can't lose to Callum Newham, but. Well, he's allegedly his protege. I don't know if I don't know if that's a Rev Pro storyline, or if he's legitimately like under yeah, his yeah, weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't so know. I, I don't know enough about the scene. I'm sure someone, maybe someone in the chat can let us know. Definitely after the show airs to everyone, someone will let us know whether what the deal is there. But the storyline in the company is Callum Newman is is Willow Spray's protege, and they now listen. Rev Pro's doing exactly what we were just asking. <laughs> I know. We, doing we, night one to night two is all story progression. You know? It's... Yes. From the show three weeks ago to the show coming up this weekend. This is my favorite indie right now. Because they're doing all of these things that no one else is doing. They're booking show to show. And look, I liked Rev Pro before, so that helps. But I'm talking since the restart. Their first show was so good that I'm now in. I'm in until they have a bunch of bad ones now. Because they told a bunch of stories, and they've all led to what we're getting on this show. And Will Ospreay, Callum Newman is one of them. And Callum Newman, look, now that I can't come on here and talk about Ben Carter all the time because the secret's out, and he's probably going to be signed any day now by somebody, and I can't sound like a genius putting him over, I'm now hitching my ride to this guy because he's incredible. And he's 17, and he's better at that stage than a lot of guys who are great now were at that stage. So they're, the upside for Newman is 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 – Almost unlimited. Um, so yeah, that that looks awesome. Uh, even the women's tag, the the semi main, uh, I'm pretty interested because in it, it it tells a good story based off night one. If you watch night one, uh, a lot of the stuff that happens in, in like I said in night two, it builds off of it. Uh, but Giselle Shaw, uh, Aaliyah James versus Jamie Hader and Bea Priestley sounds pretty awesome, and, and they did a good job of building that up too. So I'm, I'm excited to even watch that match too because I, I have a story reason. I have reason to care about a match, even if I don't really care about the participants, even if I don't really. It, they give you a reason to care, Joe. <laughs> Pro wrestling booking. It's, it's well booked. It's well booked. <laughs> they set this match up after the, they did a. They shot an angle after the main event of the last show. So now, now I want to see how it finishes. To... I want to see the conclusion. Right. It's weird. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, they've they've done a good job. They've done a good job. Uh, anything else and, on the rest of the card uh, you wanted to touch on real quick? Well, the Oku RKJ match, I mean, that's interesting because RKJ just scored that big pinfall over Will Ospreay on the previous show. Right. So now they're doing this unification match, and I'm interested how the booking goes. I mean, do you continue the rocket pack with RKJ? Um, is he a little overconfident? He was very overconfident in the post-match. And, you know, f- you know, uh, they had Fletcher who was like, oh, calm down, little guy. I'm next in line here for <laughs> right, Ospreay. Right, right, right. You know, and Fletcher, Kyle Fletcher's not on this show, but, you know, I'm sure he took part in more than one of the shows on that mass, on that very controversial mass taping, um, you know, that we talked about last time. But um, so I'm interested how they're going to book that. And then uh, just run down the other matches and I might give a quick thought or two on. Yeah, we got uh, Mark Haskins versus JJ Gale. Okay, so Mark Haskins debuts sort of on this rebooted, ver- you know, so, you know, that, that that's interesting right off the bat. To see what they do with Haskins. Uh, then we have uh, Kenneth Halfpenny versus Brennan White. It's probably contenders. So 
Um, you know, all those guys are solid workers. Yeah. Uh, and then Joel Redman versus Dan Maloney. And look, Maloney was the guy names, who impressed. Yeah. The, he he impressed the fuck out of me on the on on uh, Encounters One. Um, and I really think Maloney has a chance to be a guy who really steps into one of those many open spots on the British scene when everything gets going again, because uh, he has really come into his own. This is a guy who I was never impressed with in WWE UK, and he has just upped his game. I mean, his look, his work. Um, you know, it's people get better sometimes. Yeah, he, he'll, he'll be a star in the scene once it's all done, and, and that will. might yeah. that that's half attrition because everybody else is canceled, and it's also because he. I think he's worked his ass off too. So it's a little bit of a, a little bit of B. So undoubtedly has earned it. And Joel Redman's obviously a solid pro wrestler who I'm sure you're fam- most yeah, people course, are familiar yeah, with. Yeah. But it's like you know, so this is a good looking show. You know, and uh, we got a promo code for that, Rich. Uh, we can we can get you one too. So all right, so you know, I, well, I paid for it last time. <laughs> you did. I, I did. Yeah. To be fair, I t- you were like, I'm going to pay for this. I was like, Ah, no, Joel, no, hold on, hold on. I might have a way for you to, you know. But voiceofwrestling.com uh, slash fight, by the way, for any of these shows is where you're going to want to go. That's to, right. To order all these voiceofwrestling.com slash fight. So, um, real quick, our uh, review promo codes coming too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so make those orders. Yeah. Do that. Um, we were going to talk about WWE Labor Day ratings, but we ran out of time and they stink. So that's all you need to know. So. Well, there you go. You just did it. They fucking stink. <laughs> uh, Labor Day t- 2019 to 2020 drops are 31% in total viewers, 42% in 18 to 49, and 58 in 18 to 34. So there you go. Bingo. So that's yep. it. That's all you say. Because people will say, well, why do you care about total viewers on Raw, but then don't care about total viewers in AEW? Well, I care about total viewers in, in, in both, but in, 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 in WWE, especially with Raw, I think it tells a much larger tale of just like that's how many people are not watching their show anymore that were watching it last year. Yeah, and there's story and there's stories to be told in the demos as well. Sure, a dynamite this week topped uh, an hour of Raw in the eighteen to thirty four again. It was right on par with the other two hours, and you know, uh, and that's big. You know, and and Raw continues to slide, and because we know the a large chunk of their viewers are the fifty over, dynamite has really closed the gap on them in the in the younger demos and that's the new battle i mean i talked about it behind the paywall today it's not dynamite versus nxt oh yeah nxt is in the fucking rear view now long time ago i mean it's just this is about how close can dynamite get to raw in those younger demos it's gonna you know they're not they're way off in total viewers i mean even this week with dynamite peaking over a million and raw dropping the 1.7 you're still talking about seven hundred thousand viewers yeah oh yeah yeah so, you know, it's like – and that's like the best Dynamite has done in ages and the worst that Raw has done in ages. So – but, you know, a lot of that's the over 50. So, yeah, no, the the, the Raw numbers were atrocious. And it wasn't because of the holiday because you look year over year. And it was because it was the show stunk. Yeah, you can't headline. Stinks. Yeah, the, the Thunderdome thing is done. Nobody cares anymore. That's not now, new or different. Yeah, so that, that, that shine is gone now already. So Underground Fight Club doesn't matter anymore because – they do this stuff and then continue yeah, they to need a present new thing. Natural. What's their new thing? There's no more things. <laughs> you got to stop using things, but they're going to go to another thing, I'm sure. So. If the shows are still bad, it does not matter, and that's what's happening. And um, if you do a main event of Dominic versus Buddy Murphy, you're going to do 1.7 million viewers. I mean, I'm not the only one that doesn't give a fuck about Dominic, apparently. Yeah, you, you, so. you, and, you and many, many other uh, 
uh, folks. So, all right, that is it for us here on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. As we said, support our sponsors, MyBookie and Keeps. Uh, also, voicewrestling.com slash fight for any of those shows that we talked about on Fight TV. Uh, Patreon.com slash wrestling $5 tier. Get in now. Champion Carnival, N1, G1. I'm looking at classic G1s on, on grade one on a VOW retro. Deep dives on the, on the way, potentially. Planned, ready to go, stuff to watch. I mean, we're, we got a lot going on there. Live shows, live Q&As on the $10 tier. A bunch of stuff going on there at patreon.com slash voiceswrestling, voiceswrestling.com slash patreon. So definitely go there. Voiceswrestling.com, at voiceswrestling, voiceswrestling.com slash discord. All that stuff. Do all that. Follow it, listen, chat, do whatever. So anyway, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Creech. Talk to you guys next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.